Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, we have a special mini-series just for you. We're going through the entire first season of King of the Hill, and you can only hear it if you're a $5 and up patron at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. We're giving the Talking Simpsons treatment to all 13 episodes of King of the Hill's first season, and if you want a free sample, you'll find the first episode available for free in the Talking Simpsons feed. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. It's the only place you'll find the first season of Talk King of the Hill. Made you go click, 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 click. It's real easy, man. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy, everybody. Welcome to Talking Simpsons, the Frito in your bag of Doritos. I'm your host, attractive nuisance Bob Mackey. This is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today. Henry Gilbert, and my legs hurt. <laughs> and who do we have on the line? Oh, hi, I'm Kate, and I have a quote that is appropriate for this, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and today's episode is Lisa the Simpson. Dear Log, can it be true? Do all Simpsons go through a process of dumbening? Wait, that's not how you spell dumbening. Wait, dumbening isn't even a word. Today's episode aired on March 8th, 1998, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my god! Happy International Women's Day, Bobby! SAG honors Gloria Stewart for her career that was topped with the release of Titanic, where she played Rose. Bob's favorite video game, Wario Land 2, arrives on the Game Boy. One of my favorites, but it's still very good. <laughs> and The Big Lebowski debuts at number five at the box office, because Ooh. nobody's watching that when it's in the theater. <laughs> but uh, that was uh, a classic. I think that was like one of the first DVD hits of like passed around the DVD and told everybody, like, uh, no, nobody watched this, but this is the coolest movie. Now fans have come close to ruining that movie. I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots of guys like to explain why it's great. Those are awesome mm-hmm. conversations to have. Oh, uh, man. The movie's you- about nothing. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. Did you know that like white Russians are good drinks, Bob? <laughs> I know you enjoy a white, a white Russian Henry. I do, I do. Though sometimes the dairy can upset my stomach a little bit. More often I go with screwdrivers because that's uh, that was the drink of uh, Samuel Jackson's character in Jackie Brown. So mm. I only I only drink things that are drank in movies. But, uh, <laughs> but also the yes, Gloria Stewart, old actress in Titanic. This that was her 1998 the award season was her time to be celebrated. Like everybody was. I feel like they uh, gave her like a round of applause like once an hour at the Academy Awards that year. And, and of course, Wario Land 2. Yes. Yeah. I shouldn't even talk about Wario Land 2. Yeah, I also do the podcast Retronauts, by the way. You probably know that, but if not, episode two of our newest run is all about the Wario Land games, but these games are amazing. They're not anymore because Nintendo doesn't make them anymore, but mm-hmm. uh, Wario Land 2, you can still buy it on the 3DS digitally. I recommend it. That, uh, that was such a clever idea of like, Wario can't die. That's the character design of it. And so, what do you do in a platformer where the main character can't die what happens then like it it was really clever what a, and you have a you have a whole wario land episode of retronauts yes. don't you and you yeah. were on our recent wario wear episode and those yeah. games are just as experimental yeah. but you know what who cares about that <laughs> we're here to talk about the simpsons and our guest today is kate leth she's back after bart after dark yes yeah welcome back kate hello hello my triumphant return 
<laughs> and uh, in case people don't know this is their first time hearing her on the show, she's a comic creator, animation writer, so much great work. She also, right now on your Patreon, you've been doing some really great comics. I've, I've been enjoying your uh, your autobiographical ones in, in your bad <laughs> form are some really great ones. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's something new that I'm trying out and having a lot of fun with. Though <laughs> <laughs> so I, I haven't seen uh, some many Simpo friend in a oh. while. I, I was going to ask about that. I know, I know. I really want to get back to them. I just, it was of such a specific era because I was drawing them when I worked in an office and those legal pads that they were drawn on were give like so ubiquitous. There were so many of them everywhere <laughs> in the office. So I drew them at work and scanned them on my work scanner and I don't work at that job anymore. So it's like, it just feels wrong. Mm. It just feels wrong. So I'm hoping I get back into an office because <laughs> I need that energy, I think. It would feel weird to personally buy a legal pad. <laughs> it yeah, feels I wrong. took one when I left the office or <laughs> I took like three of them because I was like, well, I have to keep doing simple friends. But yeah, it just uh, it just hasn't clicked, but I'm they, they will come back eventually. And this also is, I think this was a great episode to have you on because this is like such a sweet, lovely Lisa episode that, yeah. that I don't know. I wonder if there's ever been a better, uh, since this one, if there's been a better Lisa episode, like this is such, this one has a lot of respect for her, which I, I like that too. Like it's not, yeah. other Lisa episodes we've seen, including ones, you know, the in the previous season, they often sell out Lisa or make her into like, I love the Lisa slurry episode, but it makes her into a monster because she's yeah. there to trust Burns. And it felt like it was just crapping on her love of environmentalism and ve- vegetarianism. And season nine is not a very sympathetic portrayal of Lisa for the mm, most part. No, they, they get more jokes out of her being mean uh, or being mean to her. Or like early, what we would call virtue signaling jokes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to use that word, but that's what they're trying to do with Lisa at times. I don't like those jokes now. Yeah. I, I, I feel like in 98, those jokes, uh, maybe they came from a slightly better place than the assholes who do those jokes now, but I still don't like them. <laughs> Henry, it was 1998. We fixed every problem. <laughs> End of history. Yeah, yeah, 21st century. Here we come. Yeah. Oh, but sorry, Kate. Is, uh, is, is Lisa a favorite of yours on the show? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was like weird, smart girl kid so she was always a character that I loved and and it was it's so frustrating now as an adult to go back and look at all the times that I thought that she was this sort of whiny buzzkill because because of what you're saying like the unsympathetic episodes but ones like this it's the same with Marge you know it, I feel like a lot of because it was primarily guys writing since it's always and still is I think but it, yeah so Marge and Lisa can come across as like whiny and naggy and all those kinds of things and I love the episodes where they get to not be I, get, I love the episodes where they get to be fully fleshed out people and that's that's really great and this episode's like so fun for that well this episode has a different tone than the past i don't know 20 we've done so mm-hmm. far because it is the final episode show ran by season seven and eight showrunners bill Oakley and josh weinstein it was produced for season eight with the season eight staff held over till the end of season nine and it's written wow. by uh ned goldreyer who was on the show for just like a year yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh there's some interesting stuff on there i mean well first off with the uh, bill and josh i think they not only are they probably the uh, the Simpsons writers we are personally closest with because we've interviewed them multiple times. Friends of the show and personal best friends yes. to both of us. <laughs> well, uh, but but also I think they are, their seasons are my favorites. Like, and I think they really celebrate the show history well while making new stuff. And uh, they're incredibly geeky guys. And in their time, I think Bill said to us even in an interview that he regrets not hiring more women on the staff in his time. And uh, mm. But I do think <laughs> they were more feminine than a lot of Simpsons writers. I mean, they wrote the most feminist 
episode of Simpsons ever, Lisa versus Malibu Stacy. So right. and they sure ran uh, also a huge, huge fan of that one, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in that one, like Lisa, I felt like they still had a few jokes in that one of like Lisa's a buzzkill where she's upset yeah. by everything, but it still was Lisa was right. That was a bad doll. Like she was Yeah. Right. I remember that being so inspiring as a kid that she, you know, stood up and got to that point and, you know, actually like made a difference. And I, I remember yeah, being a kid and being like, this is cool. And even though they were, you know, again, kind of making, like you're saying, making that joke yeah. at her expense. And ultimately, um, it taught us all that idealism cannot be crass capitalism. <laughs> a new hat. <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah. It's, she well, tried, though. She tried, though. She sold she, it. To, you know. She sold it to one girl. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and that little girl paid $400,000 for it or whatever the number was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ned Goldreyer, he wrote this episode and he wrote the Easy Bake Coven segment for Treehouse of Horror. Oh, so eight? good. Is it eight? Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. I, those are all mixed up in my head. But yeah, I got some stuff from the commentary on this one. Bill Oakley had to make a few executive decisions on this because mm. this was their last episode for The Simpsons. They wanted to make it as perfect as possible. Ned Goldreyer wanted to call this episode Suddenly Stupid <laughs> because oh Suddenly Susan was a popular show yes. by virtue of being after Seinfeld, I'm guessing. I think right. so. Uh, not for any other merit of its own. But Bill was like, no, it should be Lisa the Simpson because it fits into the Simpsons naming scheme of Homer the blank, Bart the blank. Oh, so nice. yeah, we've had a a number of episodes like that. I, I didn't know uh, uh, that Ned was staff for the longest yeah, time. Yeah, I didn't either. They make it clear, and there's also kind of a, now that I know more about how shows are staffed and <laughs> in different eras, I I got a little chuckle that Bill said, like, oh, we hired these three guys, including you, Ned, and a lot of you guys didn't uh, stick around, which <laughs> seems seems like he's making a statement of, we made these hires, and then the next person uh, didn't want to keep these hires and got rid of yeah. you. Yeah, it's a fickle beast out here, I tell you. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, and also, this is a, not only the last for Bill and Josh, but for at least a decade, yeah. the last one by Susie Dieter, the first woman director on The Simpsons. Yeah, one of the Woo! best directors of their era, for sure. Yes, for sure. Yeah, Susie Dieter, like, she is just so talented. She came up in the golden years of the show, like the first four years, as Mark Kirkland's like favorite assistant director and in season five she got her first directing gig which was uh, bark gets famous yeah so good and yeah her episodes even into season eight were some of the best anime ones just had like these great touches i just think to um the one where skinner gets together with grade school confidential grade school confidential yeah that's yeah. her previous episode before this the oh i love that one <laughs> they're, they're in that one there's such a good little move where edna kind of seductively walks towards skinner and she like has her finger trace the table as she walks like that's such a little specific that uh Susie dieter put in there that the scene would work the same whether it wasn't there but uh, it adds so much more character to it. And there's a lot of little bits like that in here too. And I think for an episode like this, so much about Lisa, like I do think Susie added quite a lot to that. Yeah, I feel like it is very much, again, that sort of testament to how much a woman director can do with a script, much like Wonder Woman, I feel Mm -hmm. like. (laughs) It it makes a big difference. There's a lot of subtlety. It's great. uh, Though I had thought for the longest time that there wasn't another woman director after her, but I had forgotten all about Nancy Cruz that... In in season ten, Nancy Cruz becomes the the lone woman on the directing <laughs> staff. But God, uh, it must have been just a nightmare for them. I, I'm like. <laughs> 
solidarity and empathy, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I guess we've yet to interview any female staffers of The Simpsons outside of Mimi Pond. So. Uh, no, we got Mimi Pond and Nell Scoville. Oh, Nell Scoville, like, yeah. yeah. I guess yeah. Nell Scoville was never a staffer, but neither was Mimi, Mimi Pond. No, uh, so. that's uh, kind of a yes. problem on The Simpsons part. I'd like to know what it was like to work in that environment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really want to talk to Jennifer Crittenden. Jennifer Crittenden. She seems too I... successful to talk to, though. Yeah. <laughs> Not that the people we talked to weren't successful, no, no, but she's but... very busy with Veep and all that stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, honestly, for Jennifer Crinton, Simpsons is a little bit of a footnote or an asterisk in her career that she went on to like Seinfeld, Seinfeld and Veep. Like, Rest yeah. of Development, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, Susie Dieter would go on to, uh, she was one of the primary directors in the original run of Futurama. And, oh, wow, cool. Uh, and also she worked on Open Season, which, uh, you know, the, it, the, it was a silly talking animal movie. Uh, she, I, I, she, did, she did good with what she was given on that does she work on the new mickey mouse cartoons now i was looking at her credits i think she kind of she just oh, takes i'm thinking of lauren mcmullen i'm sorry yes yeah another very talented cartoons. um <laughs> those cartoons are great yeah they're yeah. so good yeah goldreyer would go on to work on dilbert the the animated series not the comic strip grounded for life and uh totally biased with w Kamau bell which is a nice mix of his like he worked on more animation after that but also he came from conan so it's kind of a late night thing i also forgot to mention in our Pucci episode, the guy in the kind of Nehru shirt or like the collarless shirt at the uh, writer's table in Pucci, that's Ned Gold. Okay. He was such a loved member of the staff. He's one of the five writers they drew into that scene. This episode really speaks to, I think, all gifted kids. It's definitely, I think women get more out of this probably than men do, but uh, just as a gifted kid who's worried about like, you know, did I squander my talents or was I as smart as I thought and is it all falling apart? Like that was... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah i think this episode came from the writer ned goldreyer having experience as a child where he was thought to be a child prodigy or a gifted child and then when push came to shove he saw himself as a fraud <laughs> and i think we all had that gifted kid experience us hosts of the show we talked about it a few times where yeah. uh, we were considered gifted and then it's like this is hard work we never actually <laughs> learned to study and then when it came time to study it was like oh no I don't yeah, know how to do this. I, I was the same way. I was because I'm from Canada, and uh, I was in the this the sort of 99th percentile of kids. They they did this you know province wide test in Ontario for kids, and then the top one percent or whatever got into this gifted program, and and that happened to me. I don't remember it at all. And I literally didn't believe it until a couple of <laughs> years ago when I found the actual letter at my mom's house. Because <laughs> um, I was like, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. But yeah, so I went to that school for a year. And then we moved to Nova Scotia and they didn't have the gifted program. So I went into regular school. So that was a huge adjustment because, <laughs> you know, socially incredibly different. Hmm. And I had the option to skip a grade, but I'm already a little bit younger. Like I graduated high school when I was 17. So they were like, well, you can skip a grade. But my mom was like, no, 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 no. I think socially that would be even harder for her because I, you know, if you can imagine was an awkward kid. <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed in the grade. And yeah, it was it was that like, oh, God, am I smart? Like, mm. is, did I belong there? Was I did, I, did I fake my way in somehow? And <laughs> I struggled with that for a super long time. So I well, get it. All of the gifted kids of the 90s became podcasters. So their talents were never wasted. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of it was just that I had ADD and I was on Ritalin and it helps. 
<laughs> no, yeah, for myself, I think the American gifted classes I took, or at least in Florida, when uh, in from age ten and up, was when I was putting gifted classes. And I think it was because, like, I at the start when they gave like simple math problems, I could do those instantly, and mm-hmm. I it you did feel like, oh, I'm way smarter than everybody else. And I appreciate the positive goal of gifted programs, which is to like recognize aptitude in students and try to give them more space to grow but i think you know one issue that they didn't think about at least when i was taking them was that it kind of the the mentality it gives a kid by being told you're gifted can not be handled the right way by the child once Mm. they hear it and they just think like oh then i don't have to try that was the message i got (laughs) from it uh and so i turned into a procrastinator who hated doing homework or taking tests and yeah yeah and it just (laughs) it turned into a cycle of just put off homework put off homework and then try really hard on the final test and get a B when I knew I could have gotten an A, but, uh, like that's, ugh. That's the entire experience because I went off Ritalin when I went into high school and because it was, you know, I, I was just so robotic or I felt that way. I felt very, and it's better now because I'm, I'm, you know, I take Adderall now in a much lower dosage and, and it's improved as a, as a product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the time I, I, I stopped and, you know, I, I really became super unproductive and yeah, again, like putting everything off to the last minute, very, very procrastinating and knew I could get a B even if I didn't try. (laughs) And that was how I coasted through all of high school. In my last math class in high school, I ended up with a 53 out of 100. That was my mark for the semester. And on my final exam, I drew a picture of a shark because I had already gotten into college and I didn't care. That's awesome. (laughs) Which is so entitled and shitty, right? But like, I was, you know. It is funny though. Yeah. Yeah. It felt right at the time. I mean, I went to graduate school. So I think up until my late 20s, I was still chasing the gifted kid high. Like, I need it back. (laughs) I need to feel smarter again. Mm -hmm. And uh, not doing me a lot of good right now. (laughs) Yeah, I stayed in advanced English classes all through high school and like remedial math because, you know, without being on the medication, that made me able to concentrate. I just couldn't couldn't do math. I, I'm still terrible at it, but you know, it was yeah. it was bad at the time, and I hated it. <laughs> and I wanted to go to art school. I I loved yeah. math until I got to geometry, and then I I really hated mm-hmm. it. Like that's yeah. yeah. Algebra was fun. It's easy. That that stuff was easy for me. But I, I choose... feel like I'm the opposite. I did actually like geometry, but oh. algebra, algebra trig that kind of kind of tripped me up. Mm. Once we got, I the... used to do long division as a, a method of like anxiety reduction. Because, <laughs> like, wow. if I couldn't calm down, I would just do long division. But it's been so many years that I don't know that I would remember how on paper. And I, I don't even think kids like do it that way anymore. Math is different now. <laughs> <laughs> I liked uh, geometry up until we got to proofs. And then my brain shut down where it's like, prove this is a triangle. Like, look, it's a triangle. I'm staring at a triangle. (laughs) Yeah. What are we doing here? And also this episode, I think, too, gets to this fear that a fear that maybe when you're the uh, like Lisa, where you're different from the rest of your family, this fear that you'll end up like them. And just like, I don't know, I I have fears of like, I don't want to be like my dad. For sure. I have those fears. But but at least Homer, I do like that they kind of address that Lisa is a little too mean to them later. But in Homer, Homer's response to that is a nice one like that. That's why Homer Homer is a likable character. 
character in this instead of that that also makes this stand out from season nine because we've been remarking a lot about how season nine has a lot of fun with homer being cruel which uh, can be funny but also it's not very nice uh and so it's it's nice to see homer and this is is more innocent stupidity and when yeah he, when he thinks he's hurt lisa's feelings he tries in a bad way to to help at least yeah it is i, I feel like it's in a way sympathetic to all the characters i don't know it, it just has a lot of really sweet moments throughout all the jokes and i had completely forgotten that this episode was uh was the frozen man. Yes, me too, <laughs> me too. <laughs> Which I know we'll get to, but I, I, it started happening and I was like, oh my God. I was surprised too. I was like, oh, there's no beast store. Oh wait, this is the Jasper yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's what I also like that this feels like a complete Bill and Josh tribute because yeah. there's, there's so many, in the Lisa story, there's a lot of sweetness and love and also Simpsons history in there that is in some really interesting ways. And then with the... Frostilicus story, you get a lot of like 1900-isms and also observational things about convenience store food, which I I really like. Or just convenience store culture. It's a Bill and Josh episode. We need a story about an old man in there somewhere. (laughs) Uh, But yes, this episode begins with uh, a lunch and a brain teaser in our first clip. I bought my lunch at the gas station. It's the kind John Glenn eats when he's not in space. Wow, just like the commercial. There's a brain teaser on the back. Professor Provolone's mm-hmm. Picto Puzzle. That's a tough one. Got it. Is this it? Excellent, Millhouse. How about this? Nice work, Bart. How about you, Lisa? I'll get it in a second. Don't worry. Oh, of course. It's... Yeah, champion of the world! (laughs) Answer this, Professor. (laughs) Hey, some of us are still trying to solve it. Just you. Maybe I can't concentrate because of all your cooties. It's called lice, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. He's very proud of his lice. Hillhouse got those lice from that monkey from uh, Pier One. Pier One, Or Trader Pete's, (laughs) as they called it later. This reminds me of playing Professor Layton games. Oh, yeah. And those games make me furious with how stupid they make me feel. And then when I solve the puzzle, I'm like, you didn't explain that the right way. I'm right. Yeah, I felt that way a couple times playing Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah. And then I'd be like, oh, my God, that was so simple. Or, you know, it's like the solution is really simple, but the actual process of doing it is is difficult. Yeah, you do really get that like, I, sh- I should have gotten this, you know. <laughs> my, my favorite moment in Breath of the Wild was when of that experience was I tried to do one of those like balance puzzles oh, to make a thing worst. go through it. And then eventually I thought like, oh, wait, you can make this puzzle move in such a way that it's like a paddle that just slaps the ball to the other side of the screen. And I just yeah. did that like a hundred times until it finally fell into the place. <laughs> and I thought like, there, yeah. F you game, I did it my way. God, anytime I got to one of the ones that was like moves with the way you move the switch, yeah. where it starts with the G. Yeah, anytime I would get to one of those, I would get so frustrated. Because <laughs> I was like, oh God, no, I know, like I can figure out the solution right away, but I know this is going to take me an hour. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, when I first saw this... I didn't get the puzzle. Like, I didn't it, either. It all looked like uh, weird stuff to me. I was just as confused as Lisa. I guess when they were writing this, they were sharing uh, brain teasers in the writer's room. Uh, and this was David S. Cohen's brain teaser. Totally makes oh, yeah. sense. And nobody got it. They pretended <laughs> to get it. it. It feels like a very Harvardy fun time in the writer's room there. 
I got it like the first try watching it this time. And I don't know if that's because I remembered it from the original airing or not, but I was like, oh yeah, I've seen that. But I also go to this thing with some friends of mine uh, once a month where we just uh, do puzzles. So <laughs> I feel like I, I, I have, my brain is more set to that now than it might've been in other times in my life. I think the name of Lisa's lunch is the perfect boring name. Portion time. That's great. Oh, I love yeah. that. I love that. And that it's officially vegetarian. So, yeah. you know, she's not eating meat there. I like that too. And yeah, that John Glenn joke was interesting, especially when I picked it apart. So uh, that John Glenn, if you don't know, he was the first American in, to orbit the earth. Uh, we, we couldn't beat the Russians there. But and then starting in 1974 to 1999, he was a Democratic senator from Ohio, mm-hmm. Bob's home state. Yep. Terrible. <laughs> he did no good for the state and he's dead now. Oh, see you in hell, space boy. He had to be better than the Republicans. That's that true. Him, That's true. <laughs> but, I'm sorry, <laughs> but so, but so in in 1998, January 1998, so like weeks before this episode aired, he had been campaigning years before, but it was announced in January that he would be going up into space again. Oh, okay. and he would be the oldest person to ever go into space at 77. Though it wouldn't happen until October of 1998. So. This was them. This almost makes it feel like an ADR line that they're saying this is what John Glenn eats when he's not in space. Interesting. Which is okay. an even funnier line. Yeah. Like John Glenn eats space food when not in outer space. I didn't know it was uh, recent news. It felt like a clunker of a line to me. <laughs> it's it's funnier in that context now, I think. And also, uh, apparently, Bill Clinton, while he was in space, while John Glenn was in space, <laughs> Bill Clinton sent him an email, which uh, a lot of people call the first presidential email, though there were some ones beforehand. But that, again, really dates it. Like, 1998, the president sends an email? What? <laughs> <laughs> and I love the animation of the his glasses being ripped off by the, yeah, the by, vacuum seal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was so funny. Yeah, I loved that. And he says, just that, like in the commercial. So it was advertised <laughs> as sucking the glasses off of your face. Your- that and the, the Nelson joke that talk about weak coffee. Yeah. <laughs> were like my favorite bits of this whole segment. He stole Skinner's coffee. That's so great. Yep. <laughs> I also, another of my favorite gags too is that Bart just takes Millhouse's answer and shows it to, to, yeah. Nelson, to, mm-hmm, to Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's great. so subtle, but it's really well done. Yeah, just so, uh, and and that it's all done in one shot too. Like I, I really mm-hmm. like that, and mm-hmm. really good, like foley of a fork stabbing cardboard. You can I feel like. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, very viscerally satisfying. When you know the end of the episode, it's a really good. They play it fair in a twist in this episode that like Lisa really her problem is not that she is losing her intelligence; it's that she is overthinking a simple thing. Yeah. Well, it, which is a, a pain of many intelligent people. Just you mm-hmm. you have too much energy and anxiety and you overthink something simple and make it uh, an impossible task. Yeah, exactly. And we've all been there. It's This is basically <laughs> like writer's block that yeah. she's got here. And I mean, it's super identifiable. <laughs> I think it's, it's really it's really well done that this is, you know, obviously one of the kids' episodes, but something that's very relatable to, to adults. There's a lot of the writer experience in her in this one too, especially that the opening clip of her questioning her writing choice of like dominating's not even a word like yep <laughs> uh, i love the two part of that joke <laughs> like it's spelled wrong that's not even a word great the simpsons will be right back
I gladly turn my brain to a soft Simpsony sludge because I love this podcast and I love you listeners. And we also really love our wonderful guests like this week's Kate Leth. Be sure to follow her on at Kate Leth on Twitter. You can learn so much about her content and definitely check out her Patreon. She is always fun to have on. Thanks so much, Kate, for coming on the show again. And if you would like to support our Patreon, that would be a great idea. It helps me and Bob do this full time and record all these cool podcasts, not just talking Simpsons, but also our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, where we go through a different animated series each week in the same style that we do talking Simpsons. You could hear both those podcasts a week early and ad free if you were a $5 a month subscriber at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And that's only the beginning of what you would get. You'd get access to all of our previous Patreon exclusive mini series, Talking Critic, us going through the entire series of The Critic in the same Simpsons style, and Talking Futurama, where we do the same for the first season of Futurama. And currently every Friday, we're putting out a new Talking of the Hill, where we go through a different King of the Hill episode in the first season in order. Only you can hear that if you are a $5 and a Patreon subscriber. Also, if you want to hear some exclusive interviews with over 20 people who have worked on The Simpsons, you need to check out our exclusive interviews only on the Patreon. All available for $5 a month Patreon subscribers. Be sure to check it out right now. One more time, patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Thanks so much for listening to this angel pie. And if you'd like to get even more out of this, you should check out our What a Cartoon Movie podcast, which is only available for $10 up patrons. If you are a premium subscriber at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons, you can hear our monthly What a Cartoon Movie podcast, where we go through an entire animated feature film in this same style for over three hours once a month. We've done six so far, and we're going to do another one in May. You can hear right now Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The Secret of Nim, a Goofy movie, Akira, Kiki's Delivery Service, and Batman Mask of the Phantasm, all available to you only if you're a $10 and up patron. You definitely want to check out all of those and all of our upcoming ones too, because they are just that worth it. Me and Bob work really hard to get you extra bang for your buck. Please check out the premium level of the Patreon, $10 and up, patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And there's a lot of great Ralph in this episode. I yeah. uh, in the cafeteria at the very opening establishing shot, he's just staring at his lunch just happily. <laughs> like he's not eating and he's just looking he's down. He's appreciating at his lunch. <laughs> and and also as Lisa is having trouble figuring it out at school, Ralph is still he's like waiting in the class to then walk by her. That was so fun. Yeah. And then there's a great little animation gag of the people leaving school and coming back to school like excited and sad i i like that they are all equally upset at this (laughs) yeah it's not just lisa everyone's hunched over (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah lisa lisa is still having problems at school the next day in this next clip so lisa did you get that brain teaser yet for your information none of your business you look tired are you tired lisa if you're suggesting I stayed up all night trying to solve that childish puzzle, you're right. Oh, no, I can't remember my combination. Look at my agriculture project. It's a piece of a cow. <gasps> the project, I forgot all about it. Very nice, Janie. Good use of pipe cleaners, Becky. Don't open it, Ralph. 
I'll just give you a C minus. Yay! Not finished, Lisa? I'm finished. I just got to. There. It's a pig. It's an eraser with push pins. And a spring for his curly tail. <laughs> oink, oink, oink. <laughs> this is terrible at best. I'm surprised at you, Lisa. Me too. So the writer admits to this on the commentary, but that push pin uh, pig mm-hmm. eraser is a quote of a Life in Hell comic. Oh, and I immediately oh. found it. It's from the anthology Work is Hell. And it's <laughs> called How to Kill Eight Hours a Day and Still Keep Your Job. And if you've ever read a Life in Hell comic, it's like a lot is happening on the page. Like lots of little squares are, are portioned off and, and little jokes. And just like all the things you do at your office job before the era of smartphones and fucking around on the internet. <laughs> because every office job is just like, how, okay, that took an hour. Now what do I do? Like just waiting until five o'clock or six clock or whatever and so one of those is make your own office toys and it shows you how to make a push pin pig <laughs> oh. oh that's great out of an eraser and push pins lisa added the spring though that's her creative touch <laughs> man the sweaty anxiety of lisa putting together that pig like that really got me like uh, in recognition there yep uh, especially just telling it started with teachers but i also did it with bosses of like oh yeah i'm done just uh, uh, yep i'm so done and uh, i'm done here you go <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just finishing it up. Just finishing it up. Just finishing yep. it up. <laughs> and, and keeping the important part is keeping on a strong poker face when you say just finishing it up. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's such a sad moment because and it, it like really recognizing your own inner nerd when you're like, oh no, oh no, she didn't she didn't get her homework done. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, that is. That is a stress. I also like one that Milhouse enters by still scratching his head, mm-hmm. but but also his condescension to Lisa. Yeah, too, when he finally it's knows something, it's like yeah. kind of out of character, but I really <laughs> like it. <laughs> I I think it fits for Milhouse being like, finally, I know something that you don't know. Like, haha, yes. yeah. I mean, yeah. also, uh, Milhouse sucks. We we've, we've said this before in other episodes. <laughs> there was the great recent episode where he becomes a uh, yeah boys' piggy. rights activist. Oh, never mind. No, I thought oh, you meant God. on our show. Yeah. Sorry. I don't remember that. Oh, this was uh, just a couple happy. weeks ago. The the episode written by Megan Amram. It's one of the best new episodes I've seen in a while. I think- oh, right. Okay, so it's one of the new ones. Yes. yes. I want to watch that specifically because it's Megan Amram, and I love everything she, that she does. It's <laughs> a really good episode that also is so ripped from the headlines of uh, female Ghostbusters that oh, yeah. it honestly is kind of, it could upset folks who maybe are that's a little too raw of uh, wounds mm. on. Yeah. yeah. But it's really, it's really. Oh, I just love her. She's so great. <laughs> uh, and uh, I also, Al, Ralph is so great as the goofus in this episode, who's outperforming Lisa. Like he's, yeah. his role is so good here, especially as his bloody bag and the secret <laughs> within. I love. <laughs> it's a cow's oh, exactly. heart. It's a cow like part. He doesn't even specify what it is. <laughs> no one wants to know. I was just you thinking of the line from Lisa's rival. Oh yeah, it's a cow's heart. Cow's heart. She's trying to make a monkey <laughs> out of you. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, uh, and also, we learned that little random blonde girl who's been in Lisa's class like since season one, her name is Becky. Interesting. Mm. Add it to the wiki. Oh, wait, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I also like that even Lisa recognizes like, yeah, I know I should be doing better. <laughs> yeah, that's like me too. It's so real. That <laughs> well, delivery is great. Yeah. Uh, and so then we head to the quickie mart. There's really, you know, when watching this too, uh, again, I for- I thought there were more scenes of the quickie mart, but it's more like there's one or one and a half scenes per act it's like really economical the this quickie mart thing it's uh yeah and and completely under i don't know how you could cross it over with the script i'm kind of glad they 
just kept the Lisa thing focused and she didn't, for some reason, look at Frostilicus at, at some point. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy it. I mean, it does kind of highlight Homer being a dumbass, but, you know, it doesn't feel like it's specifically doing that to, to serve the A plot. So, yeah. yeah. And we've, we've talked much about the character of Apu and, you know, mm. and the, the voice. Yeah. The, even, even when he, I think he's written and handled really well here, there's no jokes about his that feel mean to me about his ethnicity or whatever, but the, it's so weird to watch now. Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. Even a good Apu scene, you're just like, boy, this accent, I just, how was this normal to me? Like, but I do still think the writing in the scenes are very funny with him i do enjoy the swindling apu yeah when he wants to uh be creative about swindling yeah that's a character yeah i do like the the stuff they come up with for the for the freak show version of the quickie (laughs) mart is really funny (laughs) like the mystery can and everything it's like that stuff is really good i I, you know you wish it was delivered by a different character (laughs) but yeah it was I do enjoy the dressing up of mundane items yeah. as freak yeah. show things. Uh, I love that. I mean, that's, you know, such a Gravity Falls joke. Like, mm-hmm. the, and that's one of the things, not not saying, you know, obviously Gravity Falls like 20 years later, but I love that as, as an element of like, oh, yeah. ooh, the mysterious can. <laughs> what, oh, and I mean. Alex Alex Hirsch is very clear about his love of The Simpsons. I mean, he hired yeah. Josh yeah. Weinstein worked on the show even. So yeah, yeah. The, the love is there. But And the scene starts with Haagen-Dazs ice cream, which before I play the clip, I did want to talk about Haagen-Dazs, you know, it's below. If I'm going to eat an ice cream, I think I go for Ben and Jerry's first at the grocery store, but Ooh, Haagen-Dazs is second. I got to tell you, I discovered something thanks to a friend of the show, Nina Matsumoto. Mm-hmm. It's a little thing called Halo Top, Henry. Okay. And you yeah, know what? Sure. Halo Top, you can eat an entire pint although you shouldn't, but an entire <laughs> pint of Halo Top is like less than 300 calories. Fine. That is some, that's some, I like, I don't even know how it happens. I'm sure it's dangerous. I can't get into it. It's just not, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like for me, I can, I'm lactose intolerant. So I can only ever eat a little bit of ice cream anyway. Uh, uh, so if I'm gonna do it, I just I want it to be good. It, it doesn't taste like <laughs> it doesn't taste different to me. Like I can't drink diet soda. I can't do diet anything. <laughs> oh. But Halo Top is so good. But I have some secret history to Haagen Dazs, by the way. Oh, okay. Oh. So this is another useless fact I put into my brain because of this show. <laughs> but the words Haagen Dazs don't mean anything. The, yeah. Whoa, the phrase Haagen-Dazs was created by two uh, proprietors in New York. So they started an ice cream company and they wanted to evoke the image of Denmark and the Danish people known for their oh, ice cream, of course. I'm Danish. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Lef is Danish. I, I guess. Okay. That makes sense. Well, I guess at some point in history, they were known for their ice cream. Mm. So <laughs> one of the runners of this business, of the couple that ran this business, just sat at a kitchen table and started like writing down things that sounded Danish <laughs> or evoked the uh, just a feeling of of being Danish and Hagen Das was the uh, winner, and also uh, they wanted to evoke the uh, sort of Danish feeling because Denmark was known for its um, good treatment of the Jews during World War II, oh. and the people that founded this company were Jewish. Wow. And Hagen Das used to have a picture of Denmark on the cover. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my god! So there you have it again. Wow. Don't need to know this, but I, I know it now. Around when I was a kid. <laughs> Man, I had no, I had no clue the fakeness of it or the uh, the tribute to the Danish as well that it was. And mm-hmm. I like that a lot. That's great. That yeah. makes me love it even more. <laughs> Denmark doesn't have a lot, you know. We got Lego and windmills and uh, socialized yeah. medicine. Yeah. Yeah, true, true, true. I guess, I mean, they have Hamlet, but that was, it was I mean, yeah, we did, I have been to the castle 
that is like supposedly Hamlet's castle or whatever. Mm, I heard so. something's rotten there, but I don't know if they figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm never a fun, going. A very fun fact about Denmark uh, is that the Little Mermaid statue is less than four feet tall. It's very tiny. And mm. that it is the one that you go to visit is, is not the original statue. It's been replaced about like 40 times mm. because people constantly uh, vandalize it or knock its head off. Oh, so it's fair. great because when you come into the, the airport in Copenhagen, um, they have what I thought was a replica of the little mermaid because it was only like three feet tall. And then I got to the actual statue and it's the same size. <laughs> and it was very surprising. Yeah, I did yeah. Not, I, uh, I'm going to look out for both of those whenever I finally visit Denmark. It's, right, it's great. Right great place. <laughs> uh, my, my favorite Haagen-Dazs flavors are uh, just uh, in case listeners wonder, they're caramel cone. Really like that mm. one a lot. But also, the they have their new trio flavors, which I also really like. And salted caramel chocolate trio is a really tasty one, too. Ooh, see, I, I like the classic one with almonds. That's a really good one, too. Yeah, That's very I, good. I mean, caramel is the key to my favorite, ch- most of my favorites, ice, ice creams. I do like caramel. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. This, scene, this next clip here starts with a bit of a da- dad joke about ice cream. Oh, it looks like somebody's hugging does ice cream. Oh, I should write this down. More coming. Um, I'm looking for something in an after-dinner burrito. You'll have it in 45 seconds, sir. To pass the time, please enjoy this novelty pen. Why would I want to look at a pen with it? Oh, no, her clothes are coming off! (laughs) Hey, you know who would love this? Men. Five, four... Three, two, one, lift off! <laughs> Look at this mess. Where is that elderly old man? Old man! Old man! Ah! Hey, look! A freezer man! <laughs> Wait a minute. There is a note. Hmm. I have frozen myself so I may live to see the wonders of the future. Draw me out when robot wives are cheap and effective. Yes, please alter my pants as fashion dictates. I love that yeah. line. You know, I wrote that down. I, I wrote down quotes as I went that I liked. Me too. I wrote that one down. Alter my pants as fashion dictates is so good. You know, reality has caught up to a lot of the food parodies in The Simpsons, but there is still no strawberry toe. Hmm. Yeah. Ugh. I think crepes are more popular here now. That's like the closest we get to it, I think. These season one food parodies were so simple and so like innocent, mm. like triple chocolate. Who could <laughs> ever have triple chocolate ice cream? And I think you just named a triple chocolate ice cream yes, yeah, with your Haagen-Dazs. Uh, we've yeah. gone far beyond triple chocolate. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, the, the strawberry toe, I really like that name. It doesn't exist, but I would be lying if I said when this episode first aired, I didn't try microwaving a fruit pie. I was going to say, that's exactly what it is. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, but I don't know, warm fruit pie is good, it, right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's not as special as you think. It's okay. It's yeah. just like a tart. That's all that it is. I guess strawberry does exist. I just pictured like the strawberry Nutri-Grain bars, I guess. Yeah. I guess <laughs> there's... I used to eat those all the time in high school. Maybe it's like a burrito, but instead of beans, there's strawberries. Mm. <laughs> but that what... would be fun. God, I hope there's not also beans. <laughs> but also, but there's still like meats in it. Too. Yeah, meats chicken. But strawberry. No, no thank you. No thank you. <laughs> I, I like when they cast up who is like Homer's kind of food mo, like mo for alcohol, but uh, right. Apu 
foo for it. Then he just hangs out at the corner. I think it's almost kind of cute how Homer is so entertained by this simple pornography. Yeah. <laughs> God, the like, you know who would love this? Men is so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't see a lot uh, of those pens around lately, though. Although I've not been to a truck stop in a long time. They're still there. They're definitely still around. I've seen them. They're like, you know, little tchotchke, kitschy places on mm-hmm. roadsides. There's, There's got to be a turn your phone clothes disappearing app out there, right? Oh, by now, yeah. God, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, and that Homer is like clearly entertained for hours. And he, mm-hmm. I, I like to imagine he added one pen each time and that's why it took so long and great animation on you can see his eyes look at each pen yeah. in different order that's i think he it. expects something different to happen or something he's consistently surprised by the clothes coming off yeah it's great and, and i love that they have homer read jasper's old man letter because it has a bunch of like the classic terminology that jasper would say but it's said by homer mm. so mm-hmm. and so i i did look up uh where cryonic science is at these days oh uh and from a 2016 popular science article because uh it is still happening where folks who have the money to do so do have their bodies frozen in the hopes of uh, science doing fixing it later. There was a baseball player, Hall of Famer, I forget his name, but he had his just his head frozen, and it was in the news that family was fighting over the head. <laughs> in oh my god! And uh, but the popular science article from 2016 starts with saying a teen who just died of a disease he hopes is preventable in the future. His parents paid to have his body frozen in the hopes they could resuscitate it, and they. They use that as a starting point for like, how, where is cryonics now? And the concept is that like reptiles can be frozen and brought back worms too. They, uh, they even found like worms that, that were taught to recognize color they'd get unfrozen and they could still recognize colors. So it didn't Hmm. seem to even mess with your memory. They talk about that as is almost impossible to replicate with mammals because of the difference in just like blood and cellular decay. Like it's just freezing you kills you. It does not stop you. I read a while ago that it was the thawing process that was the problem. Yeah, yeah. Not so much the freezing. Well, it's also that the brain and the nervous system are on humans is much more complex than a frog or a worm. Yeah, worm to human is a big leap. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why you can't and also you have to the not funny idea with Jasper is that he just killed himself because slow freezing in a freezer just kills you. It is not Yes. Th- they talk about how cryonics part of it is they need to flash freeze you. They got to do it fast. The slower it is, you're already killing your cells in that point anyway. So, it's fun that this is a cartoon so Jasper is not dead, <laughs> <laughs> but you it when you're dead already at that point. So, they got to flash freeze you and then find out a way to th- thaw you and also, there's a real danger of cracking once your skin, even and j- below that, gets mm-hmm. frozen. Even just a hairline cl- crack, you're dead. They can't bring you back at that point either. So- yeah, when I was uh, a kid, we grew up in uh, Ottawa, Ontario, which is very cold. And uh, one winter, my dad went outside. He had a very full beard, and it was still wet from the shower. And it was he froze, and he tripped on the front step and uh, smacked his head, and his beard cracked off like, oh my gosh. like wow. popped off. yeah and it wasn't it wasn't until you like got back inside and and thawed that you know there were obviously there was some bleeding happening but it wasn't like terrible as mm-hmm. you know face didn't get ripped or whatever but it was like it gets bad wow. <laughs> it's crazy gets bad 
And if you can do that, it's a facial hair. So Jasper's beard could have shattered. <laughs> it should have. It have shattered. It happened. <laughs> well, now when you see, like, that was it just three years ago in an article. I don't think there's probably been much improvement now. So you can see why today's crazy billionaires are more interested in, like, singularity and uploading their brains to a computer yeah. as opposed to freezing right. themselves. They're all chasing immortality. I say put <laughs> me in goo when I die. <laughs> I, I mean, sort of I'll goo. go to San Junipero if they invent it. Like, no problem. But other than that, I'm good. <laughs> we we leave Frostilicus back to Lisa's worries. She just can't focus on anything. And I, I get that feeling too. I also that she can't play her saxophone right. And it's the one time Homer's ever enjoyed her saxophone <laughs> playing. I love that gag. Yeah, I lo- like his little dance. <laughs> yeah, it's go. so it's so great that it's animated from his back and yet so expressive. Like uh, mm-hmm. again, Susie Dieter and her team just so good. Also the another Bill and Josh thing is their love of Abe Simpson. Yep. And uh, he plays a real key part in this episode. I, I like he didn't. He doesn't often these days. But no, uh, he's usually in the room for a joke, as they often point <laughs> out. Like they'll often add him to end a scene. I love the domesticity, too, of like a haircut in the kitchen. Like that's really yeah. it's cute. I never my mom did not cut my hair uh, as a kid. I, my mom tried it a few times and I was like, let's not do this. again. Well, I, I feel like I got trims, mm. you know, like bang trims. But I, I don't think it was like full haircuts or anything. I, you know, I just in general hate haircuts. I just can't. I, <laughs> even at 37, I still like I've I haven't had a I get a haircut about every six to nine months because I just oh, don't wow. like it. I love them. I mean. <laughs> It's very like it's like a mini spa thing for uh-huh. me. But to- my haircut is a whole process because <laughs> I have to get like I have a mohawk, so I have to get the sides buzzed, and then I have oh, to yeah. get the hair like the roots bleached, and then dye the whole thing. And it's two colors of dye, so it takes like two hours. I enjoy it. No, oh, your hair, <laughs> your hair is lovely. If I may compliment. Thank you, thank you. It's a lot of work, mm-hmm. uh, but it's worth it. <laughs> no, I and and the bye coloring I, is very. It good. was great, <laughs> which no one will ever believe was unintentional, but it literally was. Um, but once. I realized obviously I'm like never gonna change it. So. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, here's Abe has some tips for Lisa. No, 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 no! The George Raft look is dead. I want an Audie Murphy. If you would just apologize to Louie, you could get your hair cut the way you want. No apology, not until he admits he's a jerk. <laughs> Mom, I think something's wrong with me. I can't do anything right lately. Are you just having a bad day? I had one last week. I burned the roast, my cake fell, and I ran out of butter, so I had to spray the English muffins with Pam. Maybe you're just a lousy cook. Oh! <laughs> I'll go get the bad team. It can't just be a bad day. I feel like I'm getting dumber by the minute. Oh, ain't no big deal. All Simpsons start to lose their smarts around your age. What are you talking about? Well, I'll show you. Follow me. I'm with Marge. You know, she's doing a nice thing for Abe, and then he insults her. Give give him a little cut. That's a pretty brutal sound effect on whatever it is gash he put in his head. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Though Abe walks away from it. He's okay. He's... I also had not heard of Audie Murphy or George Raff before watching yeah, this. Yeah, those were totally lost on me. <laughs> in, my, in my first viewing as a kid, well, as a teen, I thought it was just him mispronouncing Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I did that too. But uh, they're both real people. It doesn't 
doesn't matter who they are, but they're both old time movie uh, stars. George Raff was in Some Like It Hot. That's the only okay. possible one most people have seen. I haven't seen his other movies that are listed on his Wikipedia page. And, and Audie Murphy was like a decorated, the one of the most highly decorated combat veterans of World War II and mm. then segued into a uh, film career. Uh, and also there's a really great cute animation just Maggie playing with a brush in the background that like, oh yeah, actually needed. when they go to the attic, when they leave the kitchen, they go to the attic, they walk by Maggie who's reaching for the scissors on the table. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's so funny. That's great. It's a nice little touch in the background. And uh, and just the great little gag of unfurling that that his uh, barber tie was actually a table kitchen cloth? table cloth. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's right. And just putting that hair covered cloth on the thing. Yeah, that was gross. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, uh, but it's a nice, it's gross without being too disgusting. Like there's. Yeah, there is, there is a gross moment in this episode that actually made me gag a little bit. But. <laughs> when Abe pulled on his hair in this, it's when it hit me that like, oh, Abe's design is actually kind of a pinhead design. Yeah. I, I never really thought of it that way before. You just have like a cone style head. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny watching her trim the like four little points on the top of his head. <laughs> Yeah, there's a line later, but actually, since we're talking about his hair, let's talk about it now. Abe says baldness is part of it. The, the Abe's design comes from the shorts, so he has rules about him that they wouldn't do in current episodes or even in like a season two episode. But his hair is attached to his head. And I always read it as he had a lot more hair than when he says he's bald. I'm like, so does he only have like those four tufts at the top of his head? I think it's just a little thin tuft. I see. And the side of his head has those weird like bumps on it. Which which I, yeah. uh, I I think that just implies that he's like just stubble is there or there's not a lot of hair. Also, your hair falls out when you're old. So, yeah. Yeah. I just assumed it was like a tiny version of the way that Bart and Lisa's hair is where it's just, you know, an extension of their head. So <laughs> uh, and, it, and then it's funny when you have to ask them to like, well, he pulls at his hair and the animators have to figure out where does hair begin on, <laughs> on Abe there. <laughs> Yeah, that's tricky. <laughs> and I've had fights with friends, too, uh, like he said with Louie, where it's like, this argument will end if you admit you're a jerk. That's the argument, that you're not a jerk or you are a jerk. Uh, it's never going to happen. No, no one's ever going to admit that. It's great. <laughs> yeah, Abe takes Lisa upstairs. This is when she finds out the truth of the Simpsons gene. Wow, Dad was a good speller? Oh, your dad used to be smart as a monkey. <laughs> then his mind started getting lazy, and now he's dumb as a chimp. Grandpa? Hey, I am too. Your brother's coming along nicely. Look at Bart's homework. Back when he was your age, he was smart as a chimp. <gasps> this is just two years ago. That's right. Then the Simpson jeans kicked in. This is crazy. Just because you and Dad and Bart went downhill doesn't mean it's going to happen to me. Does it? Sure. But it doesn't mean you can't live a long and pointless life. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great act break. <laughs> Uh, that Abe recognizes so his life was long and pointless like that. <laughs> I love the the flip book too of them, you mm -hmm. know, and that must have been so wild to animate because it's like you're animating animation <laughs> in yeah. a way. Like you're animating this flip book thing. But it yeah. probably took a lot of planning to just figure that out, how to make it yeah. move like that. I remembered that like as a distinct visual from this episode, from seeing it as a kid and thinking that was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I well, as a kid, I, I loved I love flip books. I would wear the few flip books I got as a kid. I would wear them out of just like flipping them until the spines were pretty much ruined. Or, well, no, they kind of get fanned out after you flip them enough times. Yeah, 
I used to make them a lot. If oh. I had, you know, big booklets for anything for school or whatever, <laughs> I would I would make them a lot or journals or whatever. Though uh, I know Matt Groening loves flip books, like because he made he made a point to like not only in the like in the big book of Bart, there's a flip book gag in it, but also in the first run of True Simpsons trading cards, not the crappy ones the real ones from 94 the <laughs> back of them was a flip book of bart playing the guitar well you can ruin your cards that yeah, way yeah and i Lots think that's fun. what he wanted yes yeah. that's amazing the the math checks out there too that like bart was a good student until uh he turned eight which is lisa's age so it, it works good for her dream i think we've seen flashbacks where homer is not very smart when he's before yeah. eight but don't think about yeah. that for continuity's sake there. and at lisa sacks it showed bart was not very bright in kindergarten yeah that's true so but, but let's yeah, it's okay it's fine yeah uh kate's right it's fine yeah so uh, <laughs> sometimes you know what continuity has to be sacrificed for the joke <laughs> and uh when they come back from the break that's where we have the opening line about dumbening and the dumbening isn't even a word i that has a very real writerly feel to it and mm-hmm. also her log like again this is them bringing back stuff i it feels like it's been a long time since yeah. Lisa wrote her log when was the last log Entry. Man, I I mean, I definitely remember it from like classic classics of Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, Simpsons Wiki people, you need to make a page for Lisa's log because there <laughs> isn't one. It's, it's very unhelpful for research purposes. They have ones for so many things, so many just objects in the Simpsons world, but not the log, unfortunately. Yeah, so I, I've seen on Frankiac, like uh, searching for deer log, separate uh-huh. vocations, and um, also Barbara's Thanksgiving. Okay, so man, if it was separate vocations, that's like season three right that's a long time ago well there's a location later in this episode that was not seen since season one yes yeah separate vocation she's going through a very similar crisis yeah. as she is in this one too after scoring poorly on a standardized test <laughs> yeah yes. she becomes a bad girl <laughs> the worst uh, the worst feeling that's just another great like golden years throwback plus her eraser still has the spring in it like you have to look directly at it but it's still the pig eraser when she uses it to erase dumbening well, i'm looking at the screenshots and Frinkiak and the staging is the same, like her in front of that uh, vanity mirror yeah. at the little desk. It's she, really cool. I think she's in her same, like, you know, Neely Ikea chair. kneeling chair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've never had those. I feel that was like the yoga ball chair before it's time. Also in the background, the Bard and Homer's smashing into each other game is so funny because there's clearly no rules to it, but they are keeping score. Yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy that. It was kind of like a Calvin Ball moment. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah. I was thinking of, too. <laughs> Though uh, I would think a full-sized man would not just bounce off of, the, of a 10-year-old old boy but uh, again sometimes you gotta (laughs) sacrifice it for the joke (laughs) Uh, and it also underlines them being stupid yeah 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 simpson men have thick skulls that that is true we know that 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 is also part of their dna but what is dna oh no (laughs) Uh, i'm wrong every time (laughs) i say this is the last or second to last troy mcclure he'll be back in uh, this little wiggy too (sighs) wow okay yeah yeah there was oh right i was like does he stop appearing and like Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. He talks about the uh, the scientarium or whatever. Uh, I can't. Scientarium. Yeah. I can't. Every time I'm like, oh, no more Troy. And then Troy appears again. I feel like he's in every single episode this season, even though yeah. I said we're not seeing him again till Bart, Bart the mother. But this is a great classic Troy here. I'm I'm got. It's two minutes long, but I'm going to play the full thing. Uh, but just in parts here. But I I also really love that this is Hibbert playing a playing a film strip for her. Hibbert has to be pretty stupid in 
this episode for the jokes they do. Normally, he's not this bad of a doctor. <laughs> so you're worried about your genes, huh? <laughs> well, does it hurt when you go like this? No. Then will you turn this projector on for me? I think the film should answer all your questions. Have you ever wondered why fat parents have fat children? Or why Chinese parents have Chinese children? It's no coincidence. It's because of D-N-A. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. <laughs> you may remember me from such medical films as Alice Doesn't Live Anymore. And Mommy, what's wrong with that man's face? But Mr. McClure, what is DNA? What the... Oh, hi, Billy. Let's find out together. <laughs> the same Billy from the uh, cow. But he was Jimmy in that Jimmy, one. Jimmy, yeah. And his hair color wasn't blue. <laughs> yes. They could, they, they're they from the same factory, those Billy and Jimmy. Maybe him being Billy in this one is why he thinks he's Billy in the other one when he's Jimmy, because this is filmed before the other one, and he, he just thinks they're, he's the same kid. That's, I like uh, the continuity of these Troy McClure <laughs> films. And uh, it's such a great gag, the, the siren going off when he takes his thing off to say hi. Seemingly, he's poisoned himself. But, <laughs> but then again, Billy is exposed in there. So <laughs> Billy's been there the entire time. <laughs> he's just Billy was born into the corruption. <laughs> <laughs> I think Troy just has more germs. <laughs> now, yeah. On the commentary, their joke is that they were keeping it on Troy to stop him from contaminating it because he's there. Uh. <laughs> And uh, I, I do like the animation of the baby eating the pizza. That's funny, too. Um, it's very good. You know, I was looking this up and because I didn't remember when it happened. But Phil, Phil Hartman, I know this is like a sad thing, but Phil Hartman is the first celebrity that I like recognized as having passed away as a kid. Like Aww. that I knew that it had happened and that it affected me because of... But because of that end of like Saturday Night Live stuff, because my parents were huge comedy nerds and had that kind of stuff on all the time. And I remember being like, oh, wow, this is, wait, these, they're not immortal. Yeah. <laughs> these are people. This is wild. It's yeah. wild. And anyway. Yeah, I mean, uh, when, when he shows up in 1998 episodes, I can't help but think like, oh, two more months, Phil. That's uh, yeah, all we get yeah. out of you. You know, Phil, Phil is definitely a shock for me, but I was a, a little, I was 15, almost 16 when he passed away. The first gotcha. one. The first one for me like that, though, was Jim Henson. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. When it was announced... Yeah, I, I was too young for that, but... I remember when I was in... Actually, I found out both of them while I was, like, in a car with my mom. And just on the radio, they said, Jim Henson has passed away. And I just remember me and my mom just, like, gasping to each <laughs> other. Like, what? Yeah, I guess it was Jim Henson and then immediately, like, John Candy. Just, like, yeah, all these, all these yeah. people that I liked as a kid. Oh, and anyway, sorry. It's that, very it's sad. I was just, like, thinking about that as, as, as such a... A moment. Mm -hmm. Anyway. And then, anyway. <laughs> and then Red Fox, of course. Yeah. But, and uh, it's a really clever title for the film strip, too. Someone's in the kitchen with DNA, which uh, <laughs> yeah. instead of Dinah, that's the reference. Someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. Very good. And what does, what does DNA stand for? <laughs> well, yeah. So in the next clip here, the uh, I love one that it is a completely unscientific video, but mm -hmm. also that it starts in a lab and then Troy immediately brings God into it. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Uh, let's hear it real quick. DNA is God's recipe for making you. You take a dash of dad, a pinch of mom, then we bake for nine months and 
Mmm, that's good, Billy. Mr. McClure, <laughs> what does DNA stand for? <laughs> that didn't answer anything. I need more information. Would you like to see it again? Isn't there any way I can change my DNA, like sitting on the microwave? <laughs> Not according to any movie I've ever seen. I'm afraid you're stuck with your genes, Lisa. <laughs> It's a bit odd that we get back-to-back scenes of Dr. Hibbert and Dr. Nick being bad doctors. Yeah, it's it's interesting layout of the yeah. episode. But Great episode for bad doctors. <laughs> uh, Hibbert's not wasn't at first the bad doctor, but he jokes made him have to be that way. There's easier jokes to make of a bad doctor of like he injures someone or he offers free prescription medicine. But in this case, the idea that his only medical knowledge comes from movies <laughs> and also that he's like, well, you could watch the movie again if you need more information. <laughs> Uh, that's so great. I loved that. I love it. I mean, I love a bad doctor joke. <laughs> and uh, I also just the drawing of of Troy wearing the chef hat that says God on it is oh, so good. funny. Yeah, I did like that. Oh, <laughs> and uh, it was, it's very much like that Far Side cartoon. Yeah. And I enjoy that. <laughs> oh, and there, I feel like there's something quietly sexist to that. Troy adds a lot of dad and just a dash of mom to create yeah. someone. <laughs> Whatever. That's just how they made their writers' rooms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that's good. Gauntlet thrown. <laughs> from 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, and also, mm, that's good, Billy, is a very weird <laughs> That's so good and weird. <laughs> and I think, though, Hibbert should get something looked at if his hand hurts every time he flips a switch. That's dangerous. Purple tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm lucky for all the video games and computer work I've done. My wrists are still good. I'm still pretty good on my wrists. I, there's a lot of health things I could improve, but I'm lucky in... Uh, in wrists the are still holding together. Damn. <laughs> I, <laughs> someday I'll develop podcaster's wrist from that thing. But, uh, yeah, I got the bad back, but who doesn't? Right? In this economy? Yeah, in this economy? <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, the, speaking of Dr. Nick, yes, he's in this next scene here, which uh, is also really great, where they, they talk about the scientific impossibility that Jasper is even still alive. <laughs> Hi, Frozen Buddy. <laughs> I love that. Hi, Frozen Buddy. <laughs> He's got a lab, but I don't hear a dub. Oh, ha, there it is. You're lucky he's still alive. This freezer is an attractive nuisance. Mm -hmm. Just look at all that ice cream. It's damn near irresistible. <laughs> well, we better leave him in there. Moving him now could kill him and tire us out. Check it out. <laughs> a freezer geezer. That, uh, God, moving him now could kill him and tire us out. out. Yes. I love that line. And the phrase attractive nuisance came from Dan Graney, who we interviewed. And uh, he uh, was a lawyer before writing for The Simpsons. <laughs> so that's a legal term he got. <laughs> that's funny. Wow, I didn't know that. Attractive nuisance that's uh yeah no dan grady he's uh yeah it's it's funny he his law background he no that was also rich appel another lawyer harvard lawyer both, turned comedy both harvard writer. law school graduates yeah. right uh rich appel yeah. jokes that he's just like uh, obami sorry rich appel jokes that he is a he was a funny lawyer and a law focused comedy writer Though, speaking of jokes, this uh, that gag of Apu being convinced to make a sideshow is kind of a repeat of a joke done both with Stampy and with the, the angel. Yeah, with uh, like the reveal uh, after yeah. someone is given an idea. Yeah, well, and yeah. even just saying like, 
wheel offering money and then going like, hmm, money. Like, uh, but this time it makes even less sense with Apu should already realize money is good. Homer needs to be convinced that money is good. But it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's still a funny hard cut to freak E-Mart, <laughs> which uh, I, I love that Apu becomes a full-on carnival barker and that the side, like the things in his window window are sideshow attraction posters too. Like even with like the brown uh, lettering on it too. It's yeah. it's very oldy time. The astonishing rubber check. <laughs> with and how he, advanced like banking technologies are, like does anyone know what a rubber check is anymore? Or my my check bounced. I still I still like writing checks myself, but mm. uh, I like I that paper done it too. In so long. Everything's digital now. Uh, I still, <laughs> <In the future. laughs> I, you know, I pay a lot of things digitally, but I like having the paper trail with our IRS payments. We've just been yeah. making. Oh yeah. yeah. That's, that's the one thing I write checks for. Well, when you grow up uh, in a, in a slightly poorer home, you learn that like, Oh, if my mom writes this check on Friday, <laughs> she can put the money in before Monday and it's free yep. money. It's just free yep. money. I I remember on last podcast on the left that fun podcast they talked about how how easy it was to just do check scams back in the pre-internet days. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. <laughs> and uh, you know, I've never got a Frito in a bag of Doritos or vice versa, but it reminds me of the fun of getting a fry and an onion ring thing or an yeah. onion oh, ring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like a really weird one. Yeah. Like a weird, you know, Franken fry. <laughs> yeah. Or sweet potato fry in your fries. Now, that's Ooh, upgrade. They're the yeah. mystery starches in all cases. <laughs> so Lisa is worried that she, meanwhile, is losing her mind, which this is another like all-timer scene of Ralph laughing at the flag on the oh, mailbox. Yeah. <laughs> I love that scene so much. Yes, uh, here's, here's some of Lisa's worries. Dear Log... My worst fears have been confirmed. I've hit my mental and creative peak at the tender age of eight. What will my life be like after I descend into mediocrity? (laughs) Well, Ralph seems happy enough. Maybe I should just give up now and settle into a mindless, happy stupor. We now return to When Buildings Collapse on Nonstop Fox. Yay! <laughs> I do love that the thing that the idiots are watching is Nonstop Fox. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty it's great. great. It's great. I like this whole bit, this really good visual gags and the buildings collapsing. <laughs> the, the, uh, both the Society of Structural Engineers and the House of Usher, which is like such a good goth joke. <laughs> yeah, I, love I did that enjoy joke. that. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was more fun to watch buildings collapse in 1998. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, true. Uh, true. But all of their parodies of reality shows just became reality shows. Uh, and honestly, yeah, worse. Yeah. yeah. Because there's like uh, when surgeries go wrong mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was like, like, okay, there's got to be a version of that in real life. And oh, I Googled is. it, and there are like eight of them. There was a list, like, yeah. here, here are the top eight surgery shows you should watch. I'm like, oh, my yeah. God. I'm tuned out of that world completely now. So, Like, there is literally a show called Dr. Pimple Popper. That's the world we Ugh. live in. I, I see that when I log into Hulu. Just, like, change the name of so that show. Gross. So Dr. gross. Dr. Like, Dr. Gag Inducer. I had, ugh, it was, like, on my Instagram ads for a while. I don't know mm. why. Instant playing, and, yeah. Yeah, instant yeah. playing. And I was just like, oh. No, thank you. I don't want to be judgy of other people's tastes. If you if you like those pimple popper things, then fine. It, She's the queen of dis- pus. It disgusts me. I know people who like watching pimple popper videos. It feels well, like, uh, like yeah. 
It's like I mean, fine, but also I don't ever want to see it. I don't, I don't. I don't think it's fun, and I judge them yes. harshly. <laughs> uh, I. But I, I. Yeah, I tried to look up the at the time they had also on Fox World's wildest police videos. Like that was. Yeah. The, they, they weren't recurring series. Like they were just a specials. Special, just yeah. A, like uh, alien well, autopsy. The phrase was when blanks blank when blank blanks. <laughs> like so when <laughs> animals attack. That was the yeah. And uh, it was nonstop Fox. That was the uh, the slogan for Fox at the time, nonstop Fox. Yeah, you just can't stop it. It's not. It's just going to keep coming at you, this Fox. <laughs> Though I, I think, I mean, I think these shows do still exist. I, I don't watch much uh, regular television anymore, but I remember like a decade ago, they still had like M- MCX or whatever, like just these collections of extreme videos, but they almost feel like redundant now when it's just YouTube exists. Like you just yeah. watch that stuff on YouTube. I think in the brief period yeah. before everyone was watching YouTube, there was just a flood of cable channels and a flood of cheap entertainment and there's mm. so many of these shows just on all of those channels you've never heard of which are now obsolete yeah there was so much of it i always think of the, the weird owl version of the eight mile song where he just sings about different tv shows ah uh, yeah next yeah. week on fox watch lions eat christians <laughs> is the line that always comes to mind where i'm like we're basically there <laughs> Oh yeah, no, we We're are. We're not far off. <laughs> There's a bit in here that reminds me slightly of the uh, the classic film Network, and they were saying that 50 years ago. And they their concerns about the degradation of society via TV are like so quaint now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. these things almost feel quaint. What I so it, it does make me wonder what 2050 television will be, uh, or whatever the replay has replaced it by then. I think it'll just be screen. Like internet and TV are the same thing now. It's just I watch screen. I look at screen. I touch the screen. The screen is my lover. Uh, I, I can feed myself with the screen too. I mean, I just got a VR rig, so yeah. you know, we're halfway there. I'm I'm in the zone. It's it's wild. You know what? I've the little bit. I have a PlayStation VR, and the little bit I've played with it has been really good. But I I am afraid afraid to do more than thirty minutes at a time because when I take it off after. 30 30 minutes, I do have that feeling of like, oh, this is the real world again. I, I forgot so weird, about it. Right? Yeah. yeah. You, as soon as you take it off your head, you're like, whoa. Oh, okay. I'm not Batman anymore. This is strange because I've been playing Beat Saber a lot. Oh, man. Um, which is so fun. And it's kind of like DDR with lightsabers. And it's, it's so great. So great. But yeah, as soon as I take off the headset, it's like, whoa. <laughs> whoa, this is so jarring. <laughs> It's very fun. Lisa goes to join them and she's asked if they're she's she's welcomed by Homer and Bart in this next clip. Hey Lisa, wanna join us? Room for one more. <laughs> We're watching the TV. <laughs> Man has always loved his buildings. But what happens when the buildings say no more? <laughs> The best part was when the buildings fell down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe people got hurt. Hey, yeah. (laughs) Now, a Channel 6 editorial reply. Boring. And now, when surgery goes wrong. All right, sounds good. 
<laughs> I and did they don't love, even reply. Like yeah. they're too engrossed with the TV. The great lighting in this scene, like yes. special colors on the Simpsons to make them look uh, more hypnotized by TV. I love. Uh, it's been gift a lot, but the scene of yeah. Homer patting the couch with the dead-eyed stare. Mm. Yeah, and it's uh, so yeah. I, like every time I watch, you know, one of these, all of the two times mm. <laughs> I've done this for the podcast, I'm like, man, like these the gifts. Just even 20 years later, you know, they're they're still so ubiquitous. Oh yeah, wow. yeah. They they said they got the that's from a classic Twilight Zone episode, the room for mm. one more scene. But they they added their own. I I this shot of Homer looking at you saying room for one more is such an iconic shot. But I also love the reverse shot of Lisa how she's framed looking at it with his hand patting yeah, it down. That's like, great. Yeah, yeah. And Bart's very stupid. We're watching the TV. <laughs> Bart's rarely been this dumb. Yeah, right? and yeah, I think you know. This is such, uh, I, I've said it before, but it's such a writerly show that you're. E- it's easy to just look at it from the writer's standpoint, but like the framing of these jokes, the animation of them, like they, the execution is all in the animators. And so when you have a, like a, a Simpsons master, honestly, like Susie Dieter doing it, you, you appreciate it and it, and you do notice when it's not there in some later episodes, you know? Yeah. And like all those building explosions, that's fucking hard to do in animation. It's very hard. <laughs> to tell animators to do five different buildings exploding yeah. in, in unique ways. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that, it's good though. Yeah, Usher, oh, so yeah, good. the uh, Usher one was great. I, I didn't know. I only knew it as a Vincent Price film until uh, I think college when I oh, heard man. the original. Well, I'm here as your, you know, mm-hmm. resident high school goth uh, <laughs> to let you know that even at the time, I laughed at that joke. <laughs> it's, it's very clever. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that Homer. I love Homer's extra giggle at knowing that it's funnier that they someone got hurt. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> And uh, and also the image I had for- totally forgotten it, but I love it now. The image of the editorial reply, like I'm using that in my Twitter <laughs> usage in the future for sure. It's great, mm-hmm. yeah. Standing on a desk and screaming. <laughs> I mean, that just is Twitter now. Is the editorial reply to like New York Times editorials that are bad? I know I've used yeah. it for that. We head back to the Freaky Mart as we we get to see the what up who is made, and you know what I love about this scene now is that it feels like. Obviously, Apu is just being opportunistic and he's doing this for money as he he's usually a very business minded person. But the world he builds here, there's something about it that I do love that he's trying to add wonder to the most mundane of things. Yeah, he's like, making a full experience. Yeah, it's I, not just Frostilicus. There are many wonders <laughs> to see. I, I love that, that just the viewpoint of like, wow, it's. Isn't an ATM magical? It produces images of dead presidents. Like that's uh, I. It's a really clever comedy mystery can. The The mystery can is my favorite part. I love it. What is it? (laughs) You are you're left with wondering that of just a can that the label fell off in your uh in your if you worked at a grocery store or at your home. It's very much like I I love the yeah the thing about it printing pictures of dead presidents is so great. Mm -hmm. It's such a it's such a thing now, you know, especially in, in animation for younger audiences when you're on the writing side that you're really, really steered away from doing any visual jokes that involve writing mm. because it's difficult for translation. And that's mm. I think that people are so much more aware of now, especially with, you know, streaming platforms and stuff like that, where it is much more quickly going to need to be, you know, viewable in Indonesia and in French and in all these kinds of different things. Um, 
So uh, there's so many times when I've written in like uh, g- gags that involve text and have having to take them out. And it's, oh. uh, it's like, I, I completely understand mm-hmm. at the same time as I'm like, oh, but there was none that that would have been so funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I never, I never thought of that as uh, that, that totally makes sense. It's the a real thing, especially yeah, with stuff for, for younger audiences yeah. for like kids. Cause adult animation, I think is, it's still pretty common, but it's definitely like across the board. You know, when I was working at, at Hasbro, it was pretty much like, just don't put text oh, interesting. on yeah. anything. Yeah. Because yeah. like uh, Bob's burgers and Bojack Horseman are sort of just sign joke. The show. <laughs> yeah. Just yes. like we are making yes, exactly. nothing but sign jokes, but that's much like that, you know, that's the adult animation side of things. But yeah. when you, like that's the thing that always sticks out to me about Steven universe, because there is a lot of text mm-hmm. in that show and like signs that make jokes and stuff like that. But so much of the stuff I've worked on, they're like, just don't, uh, <laughs> just don't do it. Yeah. That's too. <laughs> I, I'm glad Steven universe gets away with that stuff. I, well, and as, as we know from having the, for Rebecca Sugar on our show that they they are big Simpsons fans on Steven oh, Universe. Sure. So, yeah. For sure. I mean, yeah, it's like everyone here is, you know, it's what we grew up on. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like 10, the writers, the animation creators of 10 years from now, they're going to be the SpongeBob generation. Like that's who. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I mean, everyone I know now is like, the the anime and also Simpsons. You know, like we grew up on on yeah, SpongeBob and and Simpsons and and then, you know, anime. So it's it's everything is like a a strange amalgamation (laughs) of all those things, which is very cool and it's Uh, exciting. It's it it is what I love about my my favorite kids cartoons these days are the synthesis of of anime and Simpsons. Like Hmm. uh, (laughs) uh, but yes what let's hear some of the the trip through the the freaky Mart, not the quickie <laughs> mart. Please. Behold the can of mystery. The label vanished many years ago. What strange wonders lie inside? Treasure? Dog food? <laughs> Something's man is not meant to do. It says, show me your tie. It's cute. Come on, let's go. <laughs> me and Frostelicus go back a long way. I used to share a bathroom with Frostelicus. In fact, I got a real funny story about that. Actually, it's not so much funny as it is long. I don't know where the story's going. <laughs> I love that. I wrote that down because it's like the, you know, among people who panel at conventions and stuff like that. It's such a common joke of like, actually it's more of a comment than a question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are the worst. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. So similar. It's like, actually it's more of a long story. No, I, I, uh, I kind of stopped. I've never had, I've never been on a panel, but stopped attending them as much because I just, or I'd leave by Q and a section because they just, mm-hmm. they bothered me so much about there were, there would be good questions, but a bad question would just frustrate me to no end. It's so hard because I have such a hard time watching it. And like, mm-hmm. I, again, yeah, if I go to a show, I will sometimes leave during the Q and a, I have really bad social anxiety. And a lot of it mm. is like secondhand embarrassment. Yeah. anxiety, mm-hmm. And not just for the person asking the question, but for the people in the panel, for the people in the audience, it's, it's a level of discomfort that is like a physical feeling. So sometimes mm. I will leave like, when I listen to the live episodes of My Brother, My Brother and Me, I, I skip the audience questions because I'm just like, I can't handle it. Yeah. But when you're when you're on the panel, which mm-hmm. I've been many, many times, there's nothing you can do. And yeah, sometimes the questions are really great and they, 
you know, cause a lot of really good conversation. And then sometimes it's like, Oh God, I'm trapped here. And mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I have to say something. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And everyone is watching me. Three this poor person's been talking for five minutes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh. Now three, three of my least favorite types. One is when they say a question for the whole panel and mm. then when two people answer it and it takes a long time, they're like, uh, uh. let's move on. And they're like, no, no, wait, what about you guys? I'm like, oh, God, yeah. please. This is a three-part question. Yeah, uh, and then, yeah. I love a, I love a pant, like a moderator that is uh, that knows how to deal with that. My friend Sam, Sam Meg, she does it um, mm. professionally. And she's so good because someone will be like, well, this is more of a three-part question. And she'll be like, yeah, we, you know, we actually only have time for one. And she's very pleasant but mm. also very good at moving things along <laughs> uh, <laughs> getting that, to the next thing and if someone's answering for too long she'll just be like that's so great let's move on to another question <laughs> oh and so many moderators don't have that skill no yeah the moderators to kind of just stand back or or that you you need sometimes you like want to look at the moderator like save us like save yeah. us yeah 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 the very uh, true. <laughs> oh and another my other least favorite thing at, at comic con panels is when not just when you have a like a an agenda driven question that comes from mm-hmm. like a not positive place. Yes. But it bugs me even more when that agenda driven question is actually like a Googleable answer that yeah. is obvious. Yeah. Like yeah. the one that comes to mind for me was I went to a, this was when Grant Morrison was writing Batman and it was just the Batman panel with a bunch of Batman writers. And this guy comes up and he's like, come on, man, when are you going to have Batmite in your comics? Cause he thought it was a cute joke to say. And then Grant Morrison's like, Batman, might was just in like two issues ago you're not even reading this get out of here that was nice i like seeing that yeah panels are are generally uh stressful whenever i'm running them i i just tend to make only enough time for like three questions it, it's terrible because it's like or the thing i do really love when people do is like submit questions beforehand like put them you know yeah so that you, can, you can avoid uh anything that's like hey i i know this is i'm supposed to ask a question but can i just pitch you my webcomic and it's like oh, no, oh no, please, yeah no. I, i've done panels and uh, my solution to the q a section is to not have it anymore <laughs> yeah but the last time i had q a was I would just restate the question after mm. the person said it because lots of people yeah. don't know how to use a microphone. It's not their fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and you can condense it. Yeah. Can, like, so if someone has a rambly question, you can be like, I think what they're asking is, and you <laughs> give sort of like a shortened version that's that's much more uh, easy to convert into, you know, answers. <laughs> or the version of the question that you want. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Oh, you know what? Yeah, the last panel Q&A I sat in on was for a job, and it was a one for the Star Wars Rebels show, and it was a nice panel. And uh, then a guy came up and asked only the actresses. He's like, do you guys really like Star Wars? Because you're pretty ladies. What size are your shoes? So (laughs) Now, in... In defense of the rest of the audience at that panel, he was resoundingly booed Yay. by the people at that panel for that question. Good. But mm-hmm. It was very embarrassing. That I can't believe they got that show me your tie joke on the air. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed shocking. at that a lot. That was great. <laughs> uh, there, there should be a show me your tie hat now, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and also with the Frostilicus bit, uh, in a way, Apu kind of murders uh, Jasper by yeah. turning down the... Yeah, just a little bit. I was 
was like, wow, this is intense. <laughs> it's he just a, kills them. It's a very dark joke. Yes. And he turns it down. We return to Bart, Lisa, and Homer. After their, their show is over, they're really hungry after watching all that surgery. Uh, and the, the their mutual anger at Marge of just like, why didn't you start three minutes earlier? Then we'd have a lot dinner now. I think three minutes felt a lot longer pre-smartphones. I yeah, think. yeah. Yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> and and I'd be lying if I said I hadn't eaten a melted candy bar. I forgot it was in a bag or something. I, <laughs> I mean, who hasn't? The, <laughs> the sheer volume of them is, is a lot. I, <laughs> I would put it in the freezer. Mm, but yeah. sometimes you don't want to wait for that sweet, sweet <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> true <laughs> uh, and uh i they've never looked more like pigs than yeah. when they're eating that together and bill oakley pointed out that this is sort of the subversion of the homer as the food monster character they don't like uh, they're like let's make the food monster thing disturbing yeah like he's yeah. eating like garbage candy out of a sofa cushion <laughs> like a yeah. like an animal on all on his hands and knees that's good wow that's really yeah that is really good because they they didn't like how easy homer the food monster is like that's that's why in their three 300 pound homer episode they really he barely eats and it's not about him eating a ton of food it's about him living the life of a big fat dynamo as he yeah it. you yeah. really don't see him eating in that that's right uh, yeah uh, <laughs> where's that cake but i i do love his line uh, just join your family like that's very <laughs> full of chocolate you gotta yeah. put all of chocolate in your mouth before you say that <laughs> And yeah, I, I very much felt Lisa in this mm-hmm. scene where she's like, oh, yeah, eh, yeah, I, I, I still I still feel that, too, uh, with with especially extended family things, though. I I feel more in touch with my uh, California extended family than my Arkansas extended mm. family. That makes sense. Uh, but yes, as as Lisa's tempted by chocolate and the <laughs> ease of just eating warm, melty chocolate that you've been sitting on for hours, uh, she has a vision of her future. Oof. Knock it off. Mama's watching her stories. <laughs> Hi, honey. It's me, your husband, Ralph. Hey, Angel Pie. Can you drive me down the library? I want to rent us up some movies. <laughs> Wesley, get Mama's prying bar. Easy does it now. Easy. A little more. Get it right back. I'll get your coat. No. Know what? I don't want to turn out that way. What way, Angel Pie? Like you. Mm. Uh, this is so mean. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard. Yeah. And like, I remember thinking this was so funny when I was like 10. Now I'm watching it. I'm like, God, fat jokes were just the easiest, yeah. easiest target. Yeah. It was not and as clever as washing yourself with a rag on a stick. I have to say that. No, that, that was like funny i guess i don't know this is i liked all of her like 20 children so you know i mean at least she can get it but yes, like yeah. <laughs> she's still having a very bad sex life so good for her yeah but i, I do like the the that part bugs me but i'm just very sensitive to that kind of stuff no, but I, I understand do, yeah I it's love, i do love hi honey it's it's like me it's like it's ralph your husband it's also <laughs> not very kind to our southern friends but yeah. uh i think josh no. weinstein on the commentary says he wants a future series with a uh, giant southern bard and giant southern lisa that's they both become southern when they yeah. become obese and yeah, stupid that's it. yeah it's stu- uh, i mean so bart's got his rag on a stick and she's got a prying bar so <laughs> they both have accessories too uh yeah no i mean there is 
I I just laughed at it at the time. Now, not just the, you know, yeah, I, I am also more sensitive to fat jokes now. I don't think it's comedy just of like, ha, you're you're heavier than other people are. That's not mm. it. That's not the easy, that's not the most complex joke for one thing. And but also I, I think this is slightly elitist now. It's just easy white trash humor. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. That like Lisa could be stupider without having to be a redneck. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was the show. I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it was Cletus was, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, we have not met Diabetti yet, so uh, Ooh. that's coming. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. yeah, anyway, yeah, but- <laughs> uh, I, I do relate to like obviously that fear of like, well, I'm just gonna end up stupid, but mm. um, yeah. Yeah. I I do really like Ralph's uh wiener clerk design. Yeah. Yeah. The, the <laughs> way good. the way it just swings on his head when he comes in the room. I like that. And also don't knock the library. Those uh those free movies are a great source of entertainment. You, your tax yeah. dollars pay for those yeah. free movies. <laughs> Everyone I, should make more use of their local library. I, just I'm just two blocks away from my library and I barely ever use it. Yardley Smith, like this is a tour de force for her when, which is really nice for her because often in season nine, especially she has like two lines. Like we listeners will hear this later, but in trouble with trillions and in Simpsons tide, Simpsons side to yeah. upcoming ones. Lisa says three things. She just like snidely comments on the plot yes. and then <laughs> leaves. Which is funny, but Yardley yeah. gets a lot more to do here. It's the only character she plays, so. Oh, right. Yeah, everybody else is doing like 12. And and her southern accent uh, definitely reminded me of Maximum Overdrive and her, oh, that's her right. classic southern newlywed character in there. <laughs> if you'd like to hear Lisa swearing and uh, almost getting run over by cars, that's uh, watch <laughs> Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. It's uh, it's a classic <laughs> bad movie. This leads into the scene that made me almost gag, <laughs> which is when they're at the dinner table. Oh, oh right. Yeah. It's like your soup's getting a skin on it and then over like takes it and eats it. And I was eating cereal when I was watching this. I was just like, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> I'm so, I don't know what it is, but I'm also like very repulsed by skins that form on, on the surfaces <laughs> of food. Um, yeah. I yeah. know that it's completely natural. I know it happens, but there's something about it that is just like, oh. So continuity yeah. alert, everybody. Oh. And Bart gets an F. Homer says, ew, I hate that icky soup skin. Oh. So his, his feelings on soup skin have changed in uh, seven years. People can evolve. Uh, <laughs> we can all change. No, I, well, I also really love the, it's, it's like almost, it's a very animalistic animation on Homer eating it too. Like yeah. his, his yeah. mouth opens. It kind of reminded me of a lizard, you know? Yeah, they do make Homer and Bart very just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, animalistic is is the right word. I think it's just sort of gross in this episode. <laughs> and also that Bart swears to dance on her grave. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then we get a very sweet like this. This third act all about you know again the the white trash jokes felt a little elitist, but I do like that it definitely felt like they had a point in this episode that in the third act they want Lisa and the show itself to opine to the viewers like you don't just have to watch. TV. There is more out there. And that starts with Lisa talking about her last meal, as it were. It does feel like a Flowers mm. for Algernon thing. Mm. They would oh, do yeah. a much more direct parody of that later in the show, but mm-hmm. it feels like they're definitely uh, taking from that. I really love the the soft Simpson-y sludge. That's a good line. Fine. She doesn't get her skin. Oh. Lisa insulted his mom. She thinks she is so great. 
I'll dance on her grave. Bart! <laughs> what? Oh, napkin, right. Dear love, <laughs> it won't be long now before my mind melts into a soft Simpson-y sludge. <laughs> Soon, the arts and literature I love will be replaced by talk radio and vulgar mudflaps. It's time to give my brain its last meal. Lisa's so convinced she's getting stupider when she's writing this in her log, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> she's clearly, her she, her mind is still there. She she heads to a museum where uh, <laughs> Kenny admits that he has stolen. The, like, I love this gag. I wrote this one down, too. It's like, <laughs> thanks, Lisa. I painted that one. I realized in my garage. It's so good. There's a lot going on with this character where he's stealing paintings from the museum and forging them to sell the originals. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah. great. And then he Great. and he's he has to tell people too. He's like bragging about it, and just Lisa's yeah. reaction gasp to close that scene is really funny. There's a great cut scene that actually popped up on the DVD. Mm. I hit the button to pause it, and sometimes when you do that, it'll bring up the cut scene that should be there. Mm. And there's a scene where Lisa goes to the comic book store to play D and D. And she's like, oh, I've never done this before. I should do this before I become stupid. And they don't want her to play because she's a girl. Uh, and then she realizes, like, wow. I don't even want to play with you guys. Wow. You're way too nerdy for me. So, um, yes, it's ahead of its time. Mm. Wow. <laughs> that's Start I, your own group, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that is the lesson most D&D play. Like, I, uh, I, have, I had been in a tabletop role-playing group, and we, as teens, were not as welcoming to girls as we'd want to. I think, I'd like to think I tried more than the other people but you also when you're a scared teen surrounded by older sexist boys you just kind of <laughs> go with the flow and i'm i'm sorry to say that but uh oh yeah i mean i tried playing once when i was a teenager and i was the only girl and i had no idea what to do and nobody would help me with anything so i was just like well i'm just gonna flirt with everything <laughs> and see if that works and it generally did it um, does yeah that usually yeah. works out <laughs> i didn't think i i liked dd until i started playing it again as an adult with you know, regular human beings and was like, mm. Oh, this, this kicks ass actually. <laughs> when, when it's welcoming to you, it can be good. Yeah. 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 And I play with great people. I love D&D. Did you ever give vampire the masquerade a try as, as a guy? No, everyone thinks that I would have, but <laughs> sure. it just, it didn't hit the place that I lived. I mean, small town Canada. So, you know, mm. it just might not have reached us because I did travel with a, a gaggle of goths in mm. high school. So you would have thought, but no, we never got into it. We were, we were Warcraft goths. Uh. <laughs> so that's what we were doing. It's like world of Warcraft. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah. boy, that's funny because I had like I am not a goth person, but I played so much vampire because that's Ooh. what all my friends were playing. Like that was though I would usually pick the least goth vampire tribe to be. And just like <laughs> oh, I want to be. It sounds really fun. Oh, it it is lots of fun. I mean, what's the secret of what's fun about D anD D to me is character creation is fun and storytelling is fun. But what's best about it is it is improvisation. Like it's improvisational yeah. acting. Like that's what's so fun about it. Well, yeah, we have, I mean, I play in two groups, not to get too far off topic, but like <laughs> I play in two different D&D campaigns and uh, one is run by our friend Rich and it's very structured and it's very much like, we, you know, we are the champions, we are heroes and we're trying to solve this big sort of overarching puzzle. And it, it's very tr classic D&D, &D, very wholesome in a way. And it's really fun. And then uh, my partner runs one 
for their roommates and, and our friend Marky. And it's just a shit show. We're just <laughs> we're just like disaster bisexuals who just light everything <laughs> on fire. And it's it's so fun. It's such a different energy, mm-hmm. but it's it's neat to have both because it's fun to do the like puzzle solving and the, the you know the structured element of the, the traditional one and then this other one where it's just us like fucking around. Yeah, the the <laughs> your your second one was more like my childhood troop by our teenage yeah. troop. Yeah. I I never played D D. <laughs> too cool. Uh, well oh well actually <laughs> since we're talking about feminist things too, a compliment I will give to the White Wolf games like Vampire the Masquerade. They were the first time I ever saw something where the chosen pronoun in the writing was always feminine. It's okay. Like, wow. The the storyteller fun. makes her character and when she makes this like it was it was a pointed choice by it and as a 16 year old it blew my mind that like oh i guess you can do that hey wait why do we always make it male instead it 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 made you question things it was a very like kind of it felt very like a punk move by the white wolf publishers there yeah i love like I know there are so many people that don't or that are against it. And that kind of only makes me love it more, but like, I love fifth edition D and D. I love that Mm. they made it so accessible and so much more diverse. And, you know, in the art, in the books, there's tons of women and they're, you know, there's like a sexy dryad here and there, but generally they're very empowered and cool and and interesting. And it's like, (laughs) And you can make your character non-binary, which is really cool. And yet they have all, it's so open-ended for that kind of stuff. And I was just like, holy shit, (laughs) what a wild choice for D&D to make. You know, the thing that was so exclusionary towards women, you know, growing up, it's like, that was the people playing it, not the company. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So Lisa encountered D and D playing assholes, but what about the jazz hole? The jazz hole, <laughs> yes, that was. I was what, working on that. <laughs> you you brought that up earlier, Bob. This is a big callback for the show. Yeah, here. one of the filthiest puns from the first season. From the first season, they got that in in the first season. The jazz oh, hole. Oh wow! From moaning Lisa. Yes, it's uh, and that is a perfect callback. That like Lisa. As we know, she's lost Bleeding Gums Murphy here, so she can't turn to him. Yeah. But uh, oh. she returns back to the jazz hole is where she hears the Lisa blues sung by Bleeding Gums Murphy at the jazz hole. Like, that's where the that episode ends. And they go there over the credits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So her going back there, it's it's a really, it adds extra emotionality to this scene of her. And I love that it's there. an eight-year-old just wandering into a jazz hole. <laughs> it was a more innocent time i love this snide guy i love the drawing of this snide guy i don't know why no his voice this yeah actually the the man who hates jazz is is very funny in this brief clip here Hmm. sounds like she's hitting a baby with a cat you have to listen to the notes she's not playing I can do that at home. <laughs> <laughs> do that at home. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've, I've tried to get more accepting with jazz in my age. I can... Uh, when I turn at, I was this guy in my teens. Also, just was the cool thing to hate jazz. If you're like too cool for school, like jazz is actually dumb. You're not smarter than me for liking jazz. That was that was my posture at a time. Uh, now I will put on 
Spotify or whatever and just go like, jazz, play just the thing that is jazz. I won't learn the names of these songs, but I'll listen to it. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I just always think of the but the Paul F. Tompkins Yes. Yep. I was thinking of yeah. that. Is that when somebody plays a note and everyone laughs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't know why? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I think that PFT bit ruined jazz for me for a long time. Yeah. As Lisa is enjoying her last meal, we get the finale to the Frostilicus arc, which uh, this whole bit, man, uh, this might be my line of the show. I do quote one thing from this a lot. Uh, I say like three of them. Okay. Here at least, yeah. But, yeah. Same. But yes, yeah, so this is a little longer of a clip, but it's it's all worth it. Son, I represent a group of oil tycoons who make foolish purchases. We already bought us a stained glass bathrobe. And the world's fattest racehorse. <laughs> now we need your ice man. Oh, no, I could never sell him. He's like a frozen father to me. How much for just the head? <laughs> By gum, it worked. I've awakened in the future. Moon pie. <laughs> What a time to be alive. <laughs> hey, who had blood my freezer? Return to your state of living death at once, sir. Is that you, Apu? Whoa. <laughs> time is ravaged your once useful looks. <laughs> oh, well, Sanjay, that is the end of our freak show. We must relinquish the giddy glamour of show business and return to the humble pleasures of the neighborhood shopkeeper. Mm. <laughs> Time traveler discount. Come on in. So I always use that. I think I overuse the phrase, what a time to be alive, when I'm commenting on a mediocre <laughs> new thing. Like, oh, there's a new season of this. What a time to be alive. Yep. I love yeah. that line so much. And about a about a moon pie, of all things. I didn't hear about moon pies <laughs> until this episode. I assume that they were real when I watched this. <laughs> I I mean, I'm more of a Twinkie man, but I do like moon pies there. If I'm, if I'm eating garbage <laughs> from a convenience store. <laughs> moon pie. <laughs> But yes, why why don't we give what a time to be alive the line of the yeah, episode let's do jingle? It. That's the joke. Though also like his he's not meaning to insult Apu, but he's just like yeah. the time is ravaged your once youthful looks. That's such I also just like the kind of uh, like I was saying, the mundane, the wondrous view of mundane things that also kind of is there with Jasper awakening in the new world that he's like, he sees futuristic things yeah. and all the old stuff he knew that's just so great and you know i have to wonder actually futurama was 100 percent being worked on at this time i would think they knew at least the concept of a man cryogenically frozen wakes yeah. up in the future i yeah. wonder if this was kind of a reference to or if it, any of it came from the futurama work that was happening around the same time i think well i have to wonder because they say the thing about well if you can't like just just the head <laughs> because that's yeah. all the heads in the jars. Yeah. Yeah. I think just cryogenics was in the zeitgeist then. Mm -hmm. It was a topic people talked about a lot. So a lot of people were thinking of the idea of freezing a body. I think the head thing is a Walt Disney reference too, because yeah. that was the urban legend. He's not frozen folks he's <laughs> <laughs> i i believe so yes but isn't that what disney would want you to think true <laughs> if they can do if they can buy everything they can bring that man back to life <laughs> uh also i i do love the line return to your state of living death yeah I, at once <laughs> I just, state of living death living death is another favorite of mine too i like that and and also the shot 
the shot of a very confused Jasper wandering out into the future, yeah. like so great. And nudie marts. So that that is a weird. That feels like a very wild twist. Like didn't see that coming. Kind I of really idiot. didn't know. And then uh, <laughs> way more nudity than you'll ever see on TV now. Yeah. Yeah. And Sanjay, uh, not a lot is being covered up by that bike rack. Yeah. I don't know what his anatomy they're is. They're not doing favors to Sanjay with those yeah. drawings. Gotta there. say, but uh, just stamp the ticket guy, a big fan of nudity. He's the first one through that curtain. <laughs> Uh, it's it's funny on two K shows in a row we have burlesque in it. That's yeah, uh, basically it's it's fine. That's appropriate for the brand. <laughs> though though I do think it's funny that I can't imagine that there is a. I have to imagine that the nudie mart is based on the clientele a strip club mainly with female performers. So having the two owners of the strip club nude outside welcoming people in seems to be counterproductive to getting I, <laughs> clients. I saw it as more of like a nudist club where you go mm. in to be naked and there uh, could be dancers there. That's how I saw it. Mm. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> it also, it also just... just like- Sure. It also just seems illegal for them to stand outside naked and telling people to come inside. That's also true, yeah. Yeah. They have a nudity license. It's fine. (laughs) Actually, Apu has already been arrested once for public indecency. That's right. (laughs) Uh, But uh, that was the story. Lester and Eliza saved him on that one. Yeah. Maybe he got an exception from then on. Now, actually, after that, maybe he knows public nudity laws well and that he can get (laughs) skirt around them. Anyway, that's the end of Frostilicus there. Lisa, meanwhile, is inspired. And this is like the Beck test is you know is is one way to test pop culture and i think simpsons they've they've hit that before like definitely lisa and marge have had conversations that are not about a man true mm-hmm. true but, but the I, uh the trite comment is uh, baby got back passes the bechdel test it's not a foolproof <laughs> system yes yeah yes. they're both talking about a woman's butt <laughs> it's a good starting point for feminist criticism of yeah media, though, right but, it is it's yeah. it's a jumping off point i think rather mm. than like you know a hard, steadfast rule of whether or not something is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something like I can't help but notice it in mm-hmm. media that I watch. And I, I always sort of look for it. But, but it's oh, but I was uh, bringing it up, too, because I thought this does feel especially rare of Lisa talking to a grown adult woman that, who isn't yeah. a, a relative or yeah, Marge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and this really stands out. I like that this this one gets me now as an older person who I used to be in the Lisa role of talking to someone you look up to and not this I don't mean to this could sound like a brag, but <laughs> I now have met people who look up to me just from a podcast and and I have the feeling after of the person who's just like, I just need to pay my bills that this this woman has in the scene. Mm-hmm. And for this uh this character who is unnamed, I believe they wanted someone at the time who was a famous sort of experimental uh, music person, but on the commentary they can't remember who she is. <laughs> wow. And oh, she wow. turned them down. She said, No, oh, thank you, ooh, Simpsons. That's too bad. If this had been like sure. Shirley Manson or something that would have been cool yeah yeah but uh, uh maybe <laughs> experimental but like not like popular oh I see I Shirley see. Manson was in a pop band yeah okay that's yeah. that's different I but I do really like this uh this little exchange here is very cute great set oh thanks but the crowd kept looking at me like I was using too many augmented nines uh they just came for the buffalo wings but you really got through to me oh good I figure if you've got something special to say, you have to share it with the world. Yeah, why you still can. Thanks. Damn, that felt like a sale. 
<laughs> She's just like, I need to sell these tapes. Oh man. I wrote that one down too. <laughs> That's really because I also know that pain. It was a sales pitch. <laughs> uh well, I mean, yes, you've yeah, unlike us, you've you've been to a number of cons, like you said, and have have run your own you've been your own salesperson a number of oh, times. Oh yeah. And it is that thing of like you have this very meaningful conversation with someone and they're like, Thanks, bye. And you're like, yeah. Oh, well, I, that was nice, but shit <laughs> i've tabled i've tabled a few times and i thought oh i thought they were gonna buy something yeah <laughs> if you yeah. liked me you'd buy something mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know now it's the people who take my card and they're like yeah i'll buy this online later and i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i've said that myself too uh i i try to buy more but sometimes i just i do really mean it uh with uh, at cons i've been to a con in a couple of years now but i do yeah. mean it when i say that sometimes it is just like i don't want to i'm not in the position to carry around a bunch of stuff right now that's that's usually how i'm feeling but fair enough yeah fair enough <laughs> uh but yes when uh lisa then realizes she needs to go to the station and do her own editorial reply uh mm-hmm. she's she's very against war ri- widows as she says well, lowered bus fares <laughs> yes, for war widows yeah. those mooching war widows <laughs> and uh well and also speaking of lines i've taken homer saying big chocolate apology cake i've said uh, apology cake, apology a cake yeah they owe me they better have a big apology cake like that i like saying that more than just this person owes me an, ap- an apology <laughs> Uh, but then we get Lisa's real big speech here. Like it's in two parts. This is just great from Yardley and writing wise. They're following. That's an interesting thing they have to take. Cause it has to be, you know, very earnest from Lisa and it needs to, you know, feel it needs to stir emotion in you, but they also want a joke every sentence too. So mm-hmm. it's uh it's an interesting balance they have to strike here. Now the guy doing no, 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 let her speak. I'm trying to get fired. I love, I love that. that. Yeah. It's like, so real <laughs> it's a good you think and again it's just like the guy at the museum like what is his life like uh-huh. yeah. you know like yeah, there's a lot a going lot on of- with this character who we've never seen before <laughs> yeah he reminds me of william holden from network that's who he reminds me of. <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> but but definitely his i want to know the story of why he's trying to get fired it's fascinating uh, but uh, but yes here's the here's the first part of lisa's speech I'm getting worried about Lisa. She's been gone for hours. If I were her, I'd be buying me a great big chocolate apology cake. (laughs) Authorities believe the wave of towel snappings will get worse before (laughs) it gets better. (laughs) And now, with an editorial reply, here's a small girl. Hello, my name is Lisa Simpson. (gasps) I'm supposed to talk to you about Proposition 305. Mooching war widows. But I have something more important to say. For reasons beyond my control, I will soon become vapid, sluggish, and slow-witted. So before that happens, I want to share some things with you that have really meant a lot to me. What is she doing out there? I'll cut off her mic. No, no, no. Let her speak. I'm trying to get fired. <laughs> I love that. Oh, so funny. And Homer Homer hates those Moochin War widows. That's also great. The uh, Kent, his producers, did not set him up well. He's just like, a small girl. <laughs> That's uh, that's failure on his producer's part. Little girl likes her brain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it is. It's such. I'm trying to get fired. It's a really great subversion of just like, like, no, let her speak. The world needs to hear it. Keep those cameras on. Keep those on. Don't you cut it. Like something they would have written very earnestly and laughably in, say, Newsroom. (laughs) I think think Newsroom had like eight scenes like that. Uh, But yes, Lisa, here's the here's the second half of Lisa's speech, which stirs stirs all of Springfield. And please don't 
don't deprive yourself of wonderful books like To Kill a Mockingbird, Harriet the Spy, and Yertle the Turtle, possibly the best book ever written on the subject of turtle stacking. She's got that right. Beauty is all around us, and not just in pageants and parlors. You can find it in the swirl of galaxies or the swirl in the center of a sunflower. That's a good idea. Let's go out for some frosty swirls. Homer, your daughter is pouring her heart out. We'll tape it. Why is she saying all this? Is she dying? Oh, she's just upset because I told her her brain's turn into mush. You know, on account of the Simpson gene. Simpson gene? That's just foolishness. No, baldness, too. <laughs> so please, I beg you, don't take your brain for granted. It's the best friend you'll ever have. <clears throat> Little girl likes her brain. What's your opinion? <laughs> I mean, this this pro-intelligence speech definitely feels like it's coming from writers who feel bad that they're on television. Yeah, they yeah. feel that television has degraded intelligence and society as a whole. There are some very strong anti-TV sentiments yeah, in this yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's weird <laughs> for that, right? Because <laughs> it's like you're sort of insulting your audience. A little uh, bit, yeah. A little bit, just a little bit who are watching a cartoon. I don't know. It's The, the second half of the speech doesn't really hit for me because it's like, yeah. oh, okay, Lisa. But, you know, I get what she's trying to do. Well, I'll tell you one thing that has turned me against this aggrandization of knowledge. Yeah, Bob knows. I know exactly where you're going because I have the exact same feeling. Yeah, exactly. Well, because this is probably just toxic men ruining everything as they always do. (laughs) But I the there's this very much feeling of the online intelligentsia these days is like that IQ points are like your Dragon Ball Z power level. And the smartest person is obviously the best. And it also leads people to assume they are the smartest person in the world. And also just like facts over feelings, that whole like bullshit. It mm-hmm. makes me really hate the idea of intelligence these days, even though you people should engross their minds. I'd agree yeah. with that and, you know, learn more. All but, that. But uh, things like emotional intelligence are also important. Yes. Yeah. And empathy yeah, I, and things I, like that. I had a whole conversation with my mom when she was in town about that, because, you know, my, like my mom is, is pretty woke as moms go. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's she's 62 and she's of a you know different generation and we were talking about that and she was saying how you know oh she's still like even though she's she's not as strict about it as she used to be that she's still really bothered by people who can't spell and I was like yeah I really used to be like that but then you know I, I kind of got to the education that that's a pretty classist way to be and and that that you know doesn't help anybody because it's just saying I'm better than you because I had access to you know better education or whatever and my mom was like, yeah, I know. I just, I still sometimes think of myself as a grammar Nazi. And I was like, yeah, I don't really use that anymore because there's <laughs> real Nazis again now. Yeah. She was like, she's like, that's a good point. <laughs> it was sort of a good jumping off point for this conversation about like, I used to care so much, so much. Like I, I would only ever text in like perfect sentences and perfect grammar and punctuation. And now I'm like, the fuck ever who cares it doesn't matter and even though i'm a writer for a living you know when i do my actual work it's it's on point but in day-to-day life and on social media and stuff like that it's like whatever who cares mm-hmm. um and yeah the people who are like well you you spelled that wrong so your point is invalid it's like okay mm, yeah <laughs> <Sure>. yeah <laughs> that's why sure. i that 
that's not the stance Lisa is taking, but it's so easy to go from this like yeah. be yeah. smarter kind of demand to the direction of the online um, the online pens. Yeah, just like um actually this happened in history or whatever. Just the um actually folks out there again. Yeah, learning facts is good. You should learn things. Always mm-hmm. try to engross your mind. That's fine. Like, but also that is part of that intelligence is learning that is empathy for sure (laughs) that emotional intelligence and common sense are like very very important (laughs) if you if you want to open your mind you could read a history book on world war ii you could Mm -hmm. also try to listen to what it's like to be somebody who isn't you that's that's also (laughs) mind-blowing i also like that homer this feels like another callback to classic ass simpsons of the frosty chocolate milkshakes yeah like Mm -hmm. pre pre pre-tv show simpsons almost pre-series simpsons Mm. I uh, I did frosty chocolate milkshakes. Anytime the family would go to Dairy Queen, that we'd say frosty chocolate milkshakes. It's uh, amazing. It, it always feels nicer. And I I wondered why Kent Kent felt slightly off to me in a couple of the shots here. His hair was a different color. His hair was miscolored, and his tie was red when uh, it's normally blue. Okay, interesting. So it, uh, but I mean, he's in so little of the shots, and they you it's not so standing out that I get why the retake budget wasn't given to that. Yeah. I see that. And it's also a very like vaudeville line from Abe, like, that's just foolishness. Nope, baldness too. And then just walks out. <laughs> but <laughs> later we find out he is telling the truth. It's real. Yes, yeah. He yeah. Is. They're both yeah. right. Yes. Why when that the the answer is staring you in the face the whole time, it can, how it can work in this last scene here. But mm-hmm. uh, I it felt so clever at the time. I did I didn't see it coming, even though in this next scene, all the women are visible, but your eyes are just drawn to Homer speaking and you're looking at all of the weird people that surround him. I love all the drawings of his relatives, but I didn't yeah. want to skip over the conversation. Oh, yes, yeah, conversation. I got a big yes. gut laugh out of that on the commentary, <laughs> Bill Oakley, who we podcasted with like three times by now. Yes. Um, he does not like that joke. Aww. And he's still deliberating it in his head as of that commentary where he's like, that feels like I want to go home joke. Oh, no, I like that joke. I laughed really loud at the conversation <laughs> head. <laughs> to wear a conversation hat for a phone call that no one can see is very, f- I like that. It makes it more confident. It's funny. Yeah. I like that it looks like a Crocodile Dundee hat. It's just so <laughs> absurd. Absurdist? I don't know. It's, I, I like it. There's a couple, you know, Bill's exactingness as a comedy producer. I, as a showrunner, like, I like that about it. But sometimes he can be just slightly harsh to jokes. I'm like, no, that was funny. That it was reminds funny. me of listening yeah. to, like, uh, Mr. Show commentaries and Bob Odenkirk hates every sketch. Like, this <laughs> sketch sucks. Yeah. I shouldn't be yeah. playing that character. This is bad. <laughs> this set is bad. Yeah, like, I just, it hurts to hear them beat themselves up like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really tough and it's such a common thing you know nobody hates the work as much as the people who made it <laughs> and i get that for sure mm. but it's uh yeah sometimes you don't really want to hear it <laughs> uh this final bit here i do like that homer is trying to help lisa like it's yeah. born out of positivity it only makes things worse and i i definitely good acting on yardley there where she's just like giving up on life she's like why even bother waking up but uh, yeah <laughs> he's putting a very positive spin on these people's uh, pointless lives it's it's pretty amazing that in the tri-state area there's that many Simpson relatives too who will never be seen again either. Like, never. <laughs> but, 
uh, goddamn. So this next bit here, actually, I should have used Line D Show for this because this entire sequence is the greatest. Like, one, Dan Castellaneta does such a good job doing yes. Homer-style voices that are all yeah. different. Yeah, what a challenge. I think <laughs> what they said on the commentary is they let the uh, audio run for 20 minutes while I came up with different things. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Dan, Dan is a top-level improviser, so that's it's great they gave him the space for that. And then they had the great recording. Then they give it to Susie Dieter and her team, and they come up with so many variations on the Homer design of the beard line, the hair, all of that. Yeah. It's so good. God damn. And just and the drawings are so funny. They make me laugh just seeing just them. Just seeing them. And then when they say their lines, like, uh, let's, just, let's just give a listen to all of the Simpson <laughs> men here. Lisa, honey, wake up. Why bother? Because your father has a big surprise for you. I'm adopted. Better. Come look. Lisa, it's me, Daddy, your father. (laughs) I rounded up every Simpson in the Tri-City area so I can prove to you there's nothing wrong with the Simpson genes. This is your great uncle, Chet. Go ahead, Chet. Tell her what you do. I run an unsuccessful shrimp company. Oh, but you run it, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay, uh, this is your second cousin, Stanley. Um, I shoot birds at the airport. Ha! Everybody hates birds, <laughs> right? Uh... <laughs> well, you look pretty successful. Thanks. I play a millionaire at parties. Oh. At least I'd like to. You probably should have researched this first, eh, Dad? <laughs> what about you? Well, sir, I step in front of cars and sue the drivers. I beg celebrities for money. Uh, I'm a prison snitch. Jug band manager. My legs hurt. (laughs) Lisa's right. We're nothing but a big bunch of losers. So I got to talk about a few things here. Yes. Uh, One joke I think about every day is I play a millionaire at parties. At least I'd like to. (laughs) I think about that all the time. His goal is to play a millionaire at parties, something that no one does. Yes. You don't hire a fake millionaire to hang out at parties, but he can't even aspire. He can't even like reach that goal of this fictional job he thinks exists. And he's always walking around in millionaire clothes. (laughs) But uh, I shoot birds at the airport. Everybody hates birds. Now I got to say, I'm a big uh, pro bird guy i have a parrot i've had one for 17 years there is so much bird violence on tv (laughs) if you want to do a story about a pet getting injured if you want to injure an animal for a joke it's always a bird Mm -hmm. on twitter i see all kinds of videos that i don't want to see of like here's a bird getting hurt isn't it hilarious and i gotta say whenever that happens i think everybody hates birds (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i'm trying to turn the corner on that I think I'm going to say right now that funny bird videos are the new funny cat videos. All your cat videos are boring. I've seen cats fall off of every manner of thing. I've seen cats be stupid in every way. Birds are the future. I said my piece. I will watch cat videos till the day I die. No, it's all about bird videos, <laughs> I swear. Now. Give birds a but chance, you know what? people. I'll take, I'll take birds too. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I'm seeing bird. I am seeing more of a proliferation of bird videos. It's all I, me. I, I think half of it's you in my feed. But <laughs> I, I think it's spreading more too. I think people are accepting that birds can be cute. But yeah, no, I think, uh, well, it's part of the, you know, decutifying of pigeons. People are just like, oh, the rats with wings, yuck. When rats are cute too. Like, why are you being so mean to rats? But yeah. if there were pigeon rats. <laughs> but I I know it's a it is a joke about bird cruelty. It's not nice, but I really like how the guy says, 
I shoot birds at the airport. Well, I mean, I get that. I get that a lot of people don't like birds because a lot of the reaction I get, this is all my like weird bird stuff, by the way. Uh A lot of the reaction I get when I tell people I have a parrot or it comes out, their reaction is like horror. It's not like, oh, I have a dog. Oh, what's its name? It must be so cute. What kind of breed is it? I have a bird. Oh, don't they live forever? Aren't they messy? Aren't they noisy? Like, those are the first things people say to me. I'm like, do you think this is okay to say this about somebody's pet? Like, oh, you're stuck with that fucking thing forever. It's screaming and shitting everywhere. God, your life must be hell. Anyways, uh, birds are great. Yeah. There's a flock of parrots in Burbank. They're very famous. Um that they fly, they were uh, introduced here by accident, I think. And you can hear them sometimes flying over. <laughs> we got to check out those parrots next time we're on a podcast mm. trip to Burbank. There we, are parrots in San Francisco, wild parrots. Oh, the telegraph yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. They're just in my backyard and in my <laughs> living room. Yes. Uh, yeah. You, you have a very nice parrot. I, 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 I've learned <laughs> <You're> to, <laughs> I was scared by your bird at first. I, I must guy. admit. Well, birds always, they've always scared me because I would like got bitten by one as a kid and they just, I don't know. If a cat scratches me, I had a cat for so long that if a cat scratches me, I'm like, oh, you love me or what I you just, think about that fun song yeah. about the cat scratch <laughs> yeah i i'm afraid of horses Ooh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh and any sort of cephalopods uh squids octopi octopodes. Mm. um so but those feel like normal fears and in uh, bugs i'm mm. afraid of a lot of bugs and not even afraid but like looking at them makes me uh, freak out even if logically i know i don't need to be scared of them but birds i feel like i'm fine with i've known a lot of people who had bird fears mm. I, I my my ex uh my ex adam he was terrified of birds be- but for a very good reason that uh when he was young his his older sister would hide in closets around the house and she had a bird shaped kite and she would jump out of the closets and and throw the kite at him oh my god <laughs> like oh, all the time and so, uh, so he's afraid of birds, which is like reasonable. That's reasonable. Yeah, I, I, that's reasonable. Yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, I also got every line in there. The well, sir, I step in front of cars. Like that guy is <laughs> yeah. so for, proper. Yeah. yeah, he just is like, I want to tell you all about my uh, my job. He's like, well, sir. Yeah, uh, and but my favorite is my legs hurt. That's, my legs that's, hurt. I like. I'm a prison snitch. <laughs> he's, he's very proud of himself for money. Too. Yeah, he's yeah. The, well, just the design of the legs hurt guy, too, that he's yeah. just in a monocolored sweatsuit and mm-hmm. just like, yeah. Uh, and he, the way he looks down at the ground, <laughs> sadly. So ashamed. Yep. I do like, they do something with the animation here that they, they, they don't do that often. And that is Homer needs to get between these people so fast. So there's like motion blur as he goes super mm. fast between all of them. It's interesting. <laughs> it's not something they do that often yeah you like know, zip they, lines they don't do a lot of that or like motion or like smears either yeah Not a lot of that in simpsons yeah mm. no uh, well so all seems hopeless for lisa and uh, it's also a good trick that homer says he's gonna pay them after they leave somehow which that's <laughs> they all believe it they're all stupid you'll <laughs> get your money after you leave uh but now there but there's some hope left for little lisa wait a minute homer you didn't ask everybody what about the women? Fine, fine. What do you do, Dr. Simpson? Doctor? <laughs> That's right. I'm chief of complicated surgery at the Invasive Care Clinic. That means you went to college, right? You have to if you want to be an architect. Or an environmental lawyer. Or regional sales coordinator for the third largest distributor of bunk and trundle beds. <laughs> oh, did you hear that, Lisa? 
So, all the Simpson women turn out okay. That's right, sweetie. The defective Simpson gene is on the Y chromosome, so only men are affected. <laughs> so I'm not doomed. Oh, Dad, I've never been happier to be your daughter. Oh, it ain't, honey. Remember, there's nothing that says you can't be a Simpson and a success. Unless you're a man. So wait a minute. This means I'm going to be a failure? Yes, son. A spectacular failure. <laughs> eh. God. <laughs> Uh, it's a perfect boring joke. Bunk mm. and Trundle beds. Bunk and Trundle, the two. You love that. It's uh, it's so good words too. Just Bunk and Trundle. That's just funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, what she's good. They needed a joke at the end of that because the other three are just like inspirational good jobs to have. Yeah. Like, yeah. But that last lady yeah. does have a very good job. It sounds oh, yeah, like. Yeah. yeah. Well, Even though it, it's. <laughs> yeah. I love her pride in it too. Like third largest of Bunk and Trundle. Like there's. I like her. It almost feels like outsized pride, but you should have pride in your job like that. Exactly. I mean, also compared to everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Everyone needs a trundle bed. By the way, a trundle bed, does anyone know what that is, actually? That's a drawer bed? A drawer bed, yeah. Yeah. Like where a smaller bed comes out underneath the main bed. Mm -hmm. I've never seen one in real life. Yeah, I was looking at those for a while as an option for, for people uh, for guests mm. at my home, but they don't seem very comfortable. <laughs> yes, the the second mattress is much thinner because it has to fit under the first one. So my bed just has drawers under it, which is much uh, better. And if I have a small person, they can sleep in a drawer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need that under bed space for shoving things under it during <laughs> cleaning and to lose yeah. things and to too. feed the monsters. To feed those exactly. monsters. The cats need a place to hide. Oh yeah, you gotta have that. Uh, your <laughs> your cat is adorable, by the mm-hmm. way. I love. Thank you. Thank you. I have two. I have Lilu and Ray. Mm. They are both named after sci-fi heroines, which is not <laughs> on purpose. But yeah, they're very. They're great. <laughs> yes, they, they are so cute. But I, uh, yeah, I like Lisa finally finds hope again. I like, she's like, that means you went to college, right? That's, that's very sweet though. Lisa, college is a trick. Save your money. Lie yeah. about college on an application. That's yeah. all you got to do. I mean, the college lie was going strong in the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a thing that was, uh, hugely important to me as a kid because neither of my parents had gone to school or had finished college. And so my whole thing growing up was like, well, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to be the first one. And I'm going to do the whole thing four years, like big school and graduate. And then I went to art school and then I dropped out after a year. And then I went back after having a bad trip on mushrooms, uh, went back for a year and then dropped out again. (laughs) So really following uh, in the lineage of my family, but you know, as it turns out, I have almost no debt and, and it, career now so it is uh i I may have dodged a bullet a little bit (laughs) i have lots of debt but two degrees that i have never hung up anywhere because uh, they don't do anything for me my partner has a has a master's degree that they're like i don't even know where it is Uh, it happens yes. it yeah. happens no i i'm i'm more on your uh i'm your your situation kate and i don't i did you know i regretted it at first when i started applying at places because i was like oh everybody else graduated i'm just not going to say that and then by the time i was 35 i was like oh i'm kind of proud that i got yeah. this far without without yeah. a college degree I mean, honestly i mean like i write for tv i live in la i'm doing just fine oh yeah hey listen my degree makes me a liability (laughs) (laughs) did not go to college yeah you you Uh, come off as too experienced but 
it wasn't for me. I also like that they have to recognize that this happy ending for Lisa is a bad ending for Bart. <laughs> yeah. That well, he is doomed. Bart has had so many like dark future fantasies that he thinks are cool. That's true. Yeah. Like being a stripper that's like passes bang, out. Bang, Bart. Bang, yeah. bang, Bart. Uh, the rock, the rock star that passes out too. <laughs> the, yeah. uh, Slag off. The drifter. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So yeah, you know, he doesn't mind having no future. And I like that he just kind of shrugs and goes back to clanging in his head in those pots and pans that's yeah uh that that's sweet you know bart has a good attitude as well it's uh just accept things sometimes you know just but. rolling with it <laughs> i was uh, watching it it's so funny because when they're talking about it and they're like well it's only transmitted with you know this chrome the y chromosome or whatever and i was like sitting there being like chromosomes don't determine gender yeah, yeah. this was also like 21 years ago or something mm, this is some real like uh metal gear science happening in this oh, episode that, yeah. yeah 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 it's just like that doesn't not the same yeah but, uh, no it's 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 of the of the time but it's a thing i'm saying now <laughs> people need to hear that now i mean that's uh, the uh, the previously mentioned facts over feelings people need to hear that now <laughs> that that gender yeah. is not related to chromosomes that is exactly that is true exactly yes. <laughs> anyway. uh but yes the the episode that was a very clever end to this and just the announcement that like that lisa is safe that she has a future that she is smart and then they finally return to i was really happy they returned to a thing that yeah you would have thought they'd forgotten by now and honestly like future simpsons episodes where we talk about how they kind of forget where they started the episode (laughs) they they wouldn't do this kind of ending i really love this ending it's it's really sweet dearest log i am me again and i feel like there's nothing i can't do except this stupid brain teeth <laughs> mm, I feel warm I and fuzzy. The wholesome music. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wish they'd had original music for the whole credits, but they just play it into the credits and then have cla- the usual theme. Yeah. <laughs> but it's man, good, I like it. Yeah. I, and, and my first viewing as a teen, when she figured out the puzzle, I was like, yeah. oh my God. Like my mind was blown. I had completely yeah. forgotten it. Yeah. <laughs> Even Nelson got it. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> yeah. It's when you see that it is numbers mirrored, it's, it does seem so obvious. I'm like, oh, duh. Yeah. But sometimes really simple puzzles are harder than, mm-hmm. you know, complex ones because it's like you're looking for the more complex solution. And yeah, it's totally. actually very yeah, simple. definitely. <laughs> the name of the episode is Lisa the Simpson. And this is her be- accepting her Simpsoniness while still being herself and like her woohoo, like that. That was a great second thought. And then correcting herself, like, I mean, splendid. She's still a Simpson. <laughs> yeah. A very, a very, also, uh, you know, not addressed at any point, but it's like she also has half of, you know, Marge's DNA. Marge <laughs> is not an idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. <laughs> I did have that thought before uh, upon a past viewing. Like, yeah, why does Marge, where's the Bouvier gene or whatever? Yeah, yeah they're fine. <laughs> it, it seems to be that the Simpson genes are very, are the dominant one almost all the time, like scientifically yeah. impossibly always the dominant gene. 
somehow. Uh, and also that the Simpsons women there, I like that they are independent. Clearly, they either they either are unmarried or they kept their name in marriage, which I, I like that too. Which Lisa has said, like, when I get married, I'm going to keep nope. my own name. If I choose to get married. Yeah, yes, yeah. She, she corrected yes. herself. <laughs> but yeah, this is the last uh, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein episode. And it's a nice little uh, send off. It's sort of like Summer of Four Foot Two, mm-hmm. where it's an emotional Lisa story they ended a season with. In this case, it's towards the end of season nine, not at the end of season eight, which yes, they intended. Yeah, but, but it still works. Just just view it viewed in production order, it is a very touching end. You know, they they say on the commentary too that like we they've said before, you get tired by the twentieth episode of a twenty-three episode yeah. order. You're not trying as hard. And that they were like, we have to get our last episode right. They really pushed themselves to get it right. And I think they really did in this. Like it is a yeah. a perfect coda. You know, their second to last episode was Principal and the Popper, which I think was was actually very good for them and their style too but i'm glad they went out on an emotional lisa story as their final one and that susie dieter got to go out on that too and that it's full of references to classic like season one and two simpsons even well, that's what i was gonna say it's like yeah if it was their last episode it totally makes sense because you're talking about them referencing life in hell and and you know mm-hmm. early pre-simpsons simpsons it's like that tracks of course we have no power here but i will say this so the simpsons is in season 31 production right now right mm. and at this point like old writers right, have come it is back always the same amount of seasons old as i am years old yeah. oh wow <laughs> but in, i'm, I'm I mean, gonna be 31 in the fall at this point oh happy uh preemptive birthday then <laughs> but uh at this point they're in that season old writers have come back sometimes their children write for the show nancy cartwright has written an episode i'm gonna put it out right here let bill oakley and josh weinstein write one episode let them yeah. come back once People love their stuff. And this just reminds me like, oh man, they're so great running a show. Yeah, it's it's sad that Bill and Josh haven't come back. You know, they've they've worked more with Matt Groening. They currently are working on Disenchantment with Matt Groening. So they they're like in the Simpsony family, but yeah, like they were the the only two who didn't come back for the movie of former showrunner. Yeah. And you know, were they busy with other stuff? You know, who's who knows? But yeah. it's it's always just disappointed me just as a fan that they never got to come back because their episodes before they became showrunners were some of my favorites and their seasons are some of my favorites too yeah. like they're just so good it's they should be part of the F- Simpsony fun along with all the other old writers that get to come back they are conspicuously absent from newer things mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I find out later in interviews, like their choices were not popular amongst high ranking <laughs> yes. people yeah. like James L. Brooks and perhaps mm-hmm. Al Jean. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I like to think that they could mend those uh, old wounds. I, and uh, I, you'd hope. I mean, you'd Josh hope. Weinstein uh, does this enchantment. So, yeah. you know, there's still connections yeah. there. But there's yes. a lot of delicate egos in the <laughs> animation writing world. It's like I, I can see yeah. a number of reasons. <laughs> you, you, you know better than us. Yeah. The, a little uh, <laughs> bit. I mean, I'm only a couple of years into it, but yeah, it's, you know. No, it happens. <laughs> uh, so uh, to wrap up, Kate, you're our guest. Do you have anything you want to promote for us right now? Thanks again for being on the show. Yes, thank you. Oh, yeah, of course. What a treat. Well, I'm trying to think. Anything that I have, I'm going to put on Twitter. My Twitter's just my name. It's at Kate Leth. Same as my Instagram and pretty much everything else. KateLeth.com is where all my things are linked to. I have a, a, a Mysticons graphic novel just came out. Will, will have just come out by the time this goes out. That is uh, is based on the series, uh, the Magical Girl series for uh, the youth, and so that's mm-hmm. done with the same team that did Spell on Wheels. 
which is oh, uh, that's uh, great. Yeah, yeah. So we, this is the second one that we've done the second graphic novel. So if you have a niece or nephew or young person in your life, um, you can check that out for them. And then yeah, pretty much other than that, I'm making comics on Twitter and on Patreon primarily. So you can get to that through my Twitter or by going to bisexual.zone. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I I think uh, too. If uh, if listeners want to see both funny and sexy comics, your Patreon is is a good time. <laughs> it's true. For ten dollars a month, you can see some filth. Not of me, but drawn by me. (laughs) Very clear distinction. Um, But yeah, yeah, it's, you know, a little bit of both. (laughs) <laughs> well, this was a very long episode, so thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Kate for being on the show. Make sure you check out all of her stuff. But as for us, if you want to help our show and get all kinds of bonus stuff on top of that, please go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And for the low price of $5 every month, you'll get every episode of this show one week ahead of time and ad free. And the same goes for our sister show, What a Cartoon. And at that $5 level, you'll also get all of our mini series we've done, like Talking Futurama, Talking Critic, and the currently unfurling Talk king of the hill along with too many bonus podcasts to mention right here in this little wrap up henry what do we have at the ten dollar level well for the special premium ten dollar and up folks they get access to our monthly what a cartoon movie where me and bob talk about a different animated feature film once a month chosen by our audience our most recent one three hours and 22 minutes of talking about spider-man into the spider-verse and you can only hear that if you're a ten dollar and up patron at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and if i may add also in those extras we talked a shitload about bill and josh on this episode if you want to hear me and bob chatting it up with them in interviews those interviews are only available on the patreon as well check them out so as for me i've been one of your hosts bob Mackey. find me on twitter as bob servo my other podcast is retronauts a classic gaming podcast every monday and occasionally on friday go to retronauts.com or look for retronauts in your podcast machine it's a good podcast that i'm on henry how about you you can follow me on twitter at h-e-n E-R-E-Y-G. You'll get all your updates on Henry Gilbert's life, but also when there's new things on the Patreon, and you'll hear about them all first if you follow me on Twitter, H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week for This Little Wiggy. We'll see you then. Swing it, honey.